This film is lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. This harmony we achieved is now under attack from a small but extremely dangerous group of individuals. We call them divergence. They are, in essence, the worst of what humanity used to be. Rebellious, defiant, and uncontrollable. It's Insurgent, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. This is the second episode of our gigantic summer series. Will we ever have a summer series that's not gigantic? I don't think so. I don't know if it's possible for us to do a summer series where the episodes aren't three hours long. And I don't know why. Well, part of it is because the books tend to be, you know, yeah, fairly long. And then I think the bigger part is that we both have notes and I don't know, for whatever reason, but we have 16 pages of notes, so it's going to be another long one. If you have not seen or read Insurgent, we're going to start with a brief little summary for you. But we wanted to remind you, as always, you can do us a giant favor if you are in new here and enjoying our Insurgent series. Just head over, head over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, any of those places. Find us on those platforms. Follow us. Engage with us. We'd love to hear from you. And if you really want to support us, head over to patreon.com slash thisfilmislit. You can support us there for a few bucks a month, get access to bonus content. We didn't plan this, but it worked out just in time for the 20th anniversary. We're doing, I don't think we planned it, right? No, I did not plan that. We're doing our bonus episode for July is Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. It's not out yet, but it will be uh, within the next week or two. So if you would like to hear our thoughts on Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, head over to patreon.com slash this film is lit give us five bucks a month and you get access to that bonus content as well as all of our other bonus content all right here it is if you have not read the book or watched the film insurgent let us sum it up if you're not interested in a summary you can just skip right to 1134 to get to our analysis in better in the book let me explain no there is too much let me sum up okay so i did uh, source these summaries off of Wikipedia mm-hmm. uh, because I was in a hurry and also I don't know if I could summarize this book with a gun to my head I could not <laughs> um, I could um, but not. here we go uh, this is a summary of the book Insurgent mm-hmm. after the events of Divergent Triss, Tobias, Caleb, Peter and Marcus seek refuge in the Amity sector Triss overhears Marcus and Amity leader Joanna discuss the fact that the abnegation leaders died to protect secret information. Erudite and the Dauntless traitors arrive to arrest the Divergence, but Triss flees with four Caleb and Susan Black on a train to the factionless sector. There, they meet Tobias's mother, Evelyn, who tries to persuade her son to sway Dauntless into joining forces with the factionless against Erudite. Triss and Tobias head to Candor headquarters, where the other Dauntless now reside. 
Under truth serums, Tobias confides his reasons for transferring to Dauntless, and Triss reveals her killing of Will in self-defense, which strains her relationship with her friend Christina. That night, the Dauntless traitors, led by Eric, arrive and shoot simulation serums into their fellow Dauntless and knock everyone unconscious except for the Divergence. As Eric begins executing the Divergence, Triss wounds him and allows the others to capture him as the remaining traitors flee. To prevent Janine from holding another prisoner exchange, the Dauntless vote to execute Eric, which Tobias does without hesitation. To avoid being dependent on Candor, the Dauntless return to their own headquarters and disable most of the security cameras inside. However, Triss is alerted by Christina that one camera has caused three Dauntless members, Marlene, Hector, and Key, to become simulated into attempting suicide unless a divergent is handed over. They are unable to save Marlene. Triss surrenders to Erudite and is placed in a cell by Peter and, to her shock, Caleb, both of whom are working with Janine. Tobias follows and is captured, but not before he convinces Dauntless to ally with the Factionless. After unsuccessful simulation tests, Janine orders Triss's execution, but Peter swaps the lethal dose with a paralytic and frees Tobias, and the three escape to abnegation. Triss meets with Marcus, who tells her that Janine has withheld Abnegation's secret. Triss, Christina, and Marcus head for Amity to request Joanna's help. She, alongside several others, choose to assist them, despite Amity's resistance. They are joined by Kara and, other, and another erudite renegade, Fernando, who act as navigators. The insurgents infiltrate erudite headquarters. Fernando is killed, but they manage to access Janine's laboratory. Inside, Triss faces down simulations before she confronts Janine, who is cornered by Tori. Tori kills Janine and then brands Triss a traitor. The invasion of Erudite over, Triss learns of the casualties, including Lynn, and the fact that the factionless have taken all weapons to rule in Janine's place. Triss is handcuffed alongside Christina, Marcus, and the other insurgents, but manages to pass the information to Tobias, which he and Caleb share through the computers. The secret video, narrated by Edith Pryor from An Organization Fighting for Peace, reveals that the world had become corrupt and the city was sealed to allow the divergence to increase, and Amity was then to open the fence forever and allow the population to re-enter the world. The room erupts into chaos as the book ends. All right, I'm going to do a quick summary of the movie. Uh, I will say it's very similar-ish. Uh, There's quite a few changes, obviously, we'll talk about them. If you do, you could just skip forward. If you if you needed just a rough idea of what the plot was, the book summary gives you pretty close. But if you want a more detailed summary, here's the movie one. But if, not, if you don't care, just skip forward a minute or two. Five days after the assault on Abnegation faction by the Erudite leader Janine and her mind-controlled Dauntless soldiers, Janine has declared martial law and that the Divergence and their allies are the enemy. Among the Abnegation wreckage, the Dauntless leaders Max and Eric recover a box with all five faction symbols on its sides. Janine presumes that it contains data from the city's founders and the means to the and the means to end the Divergence problems. As only Divergence can open the box, she orders all Divergence to be captured. Meanwhile, Triss, Four, Caleb, and Peter hide within the Amity compound. Eric uh, leads a Dauntless crew to test all the occupants for Divergence. Peter discloses the group's location as the others escape and board a train headed into factionless territory. 
Four reveals to the faction list that his name is Tobias Eaton, the son of the faction list leader, Evelyn, whom he still resents for leaving him with his abusive father, Marcus. At the faction list hideout, Evelyn suggests that Dauntless and faction list unite against Erudite, but Four declines. The next morning, the three leave for Candor to meet up with the remaining Dauntless. During the trek, a disheartened Caleb splits from the group. Upon arrival, Triss and Four are arrested and brought before Candor leader Jack Kang, who intends to deliver them to Janine. However, Four pleads for a trial with the use of Candor's truth serum. The serum reveals the real events, and they are absolved of their crimes, but Triss tearfully admits to killing Christina's lover, Will, which angers Christina. The Dauntless, who have sided with Janine, attack Candor, and many Candor members are shot with metal uh, serum injection needles. Max and Eric capture Triss and discover that she has a divergent reading of 100%, making her the perfect subject to open the box. Four arrives to save Triss and executes Eric for his crimes. Meanwhile, Janine, frustrated that none of the divergent subjects have survived the simulations required to open the box, is approached by Peter, who suggests that the best way to get to Triss is by exploiting, exploiting her selflessness. Abnegation, or by exploiting her selfless abnegation upbringing. Back at the factionless base, Four reluctantly agrees with Evelyn that war is inevitable. Janine activates the discs, which are a mind control device that causes. Who wrote this summary? I know this is the from Wikipedia. Wikipedia I know, but it's I don't like. Know. Every time we, and I do this very often, I copy them. I'm like, do you even know? That's not the plot, really. Like, it is, but it's not. They use weird details wrong. It just always drives me crazy. Um, uh, Janine activates the discs, which uh, they're injection dart thingies, which control a mind control serum device thing that causes Christina and her friends Marlene and Hector to walk. I guess if you only watched the movie and didn't read the book, this might be how you summarized it. I guess maybe she activates the discs, which are a mind control device that caused Christina and her friends, uh, Marlene and Hector to walk robotically towards a ledge and ask for Triss's surrender. Triss and Tori manage to grab Christina and Hector in time, but Marlene plunges to her death. Overcome by guilt, Triss turns herself in to Janine at the Ariadite headquarters. Triss threatens to kill herself rather than comply with the testing, but she is stopped by Caleb, uh, who has returned and committed himself to Ariadite under Janine. Janine, Caleb, and Peter, uh, under Janine, Caleb, and Peter's watch, Triss overcomes the first four simulations before she requires rest. The next day, after discovering that Four was captured while he tried to rescue her, she fails. The next day, after discovering that Four was captured while trying to rescue her, she fails the Amity trial and her vital signs cease, shocking Janine. Peter takes her body to Four, reveals he faked her death, and assists Four in overpowering the guards. Triss now is determined to unveil the box's message, and with Peter's help, they return to the situation uh, simulation room, and she successfully opens the box in front of everyone. A hologram explains uh, appears explaining that the walled city and the faction system were part of an experiment, uh, with divergence as its ultimate goal. The world is waiting outside for them to rejoin it, realizing that she has lost all of her power. Janine orders that the box be buried, uh, destroyed, essentially, and Four and Triss be executed. However, the factionalists break in just in time and rescue the pair. Janine and Caleb are arrested, and the message is broadcast to the entire city. Hailed as a hero, Triss is eager to explore the outside world. In her cell, Janine wonders what might lie beyond the wall, but Evelyn tells Janine that she will never find out, and then shoots her in the head. The end. All right, that's the movie, roughly. Uh, give or take, again, whoever wrote this for Wick wikipedia did an okay job <laughs> in my opinion but whatever it's fine we're we're copying it so we can't say anything we have so much to talk about let's get into it in our first segment in was that or sorry better in the book you like to read oh yes i love to read what do you like to read everything 
as we've mentioned in the other episodes, if you're joining us just for Insurgent for some reason, our normal episodes, one of us reads it, one of us doesn't. In this one, we both read it, both watched it. Uh, and so we're just going through our better in the book, better in the movie, movie nailed it sections uh, and talking about what we preferred in each and which we preferred overall and asking other questions. We actually do have a lost in adaptation because we were confused about some stuff that we're just going to discuss. <laughs> yeah. We didn't know where else to put some of these notes. So we just put them in lost in adaptation because it felt like it made sense. Uh, and then later we will get to our predictions, see how we did on our predictions for Insurgent and then give our predictions for Allegiant. Uh, in our Brian and Katie predict the uh, Divergent series section. And then we'll wrap up, as always, with our final verdict. But first, we're going to find out what was better in the book. Uh, my first note is related to Joanna. Once they get to Amity, well, they're already at Amity, basically, at the start of this book, essentially. Mm -hmm. And we are introduced to Joanna Reyes, who is the leader of Amity, essentially. They don't really have leaders, but she's the, she's the she's, political representative, yeah. at least in the book. That's how she's described each abnegation is the, the the faction that like runs the government is like the government basically mm -hmm. but each faction has like a representative who interfaces with abnegation and and joanna was that but within amity they don't like have an actual like hierarchical leader system they are a uh, a lateral or not lateral what is the word whatever whatever that you people leftist know whatever the <laughs> term for a not lateral horizontal horizontally structured i don't know it's got a name like that anyways no leadership uh but she is kind of their leader uh and in the book she's described as having a very intense scar that covers like half of her face and it also to the point where her eye is like damaged mm -hmm. from it or whited yeah. out kind of uh it sounds very intense and like cool and badass uh, and in the movie, she basically doesn't have a scar. Yeah, her scar was some weak sauce in the movie. I legitimately did not notice it. You said that. You're like, wow, her scar's really weak. And I, I had already written a note that said, oh, they just didn't give her a scar. I thought she didn't have a scar at first, too. And then she, like, turned. And I saw the little bit of, like, dark like on her cheek. like a tiny little bit. And yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, that's whatever. It's not a big deal. But I, the main reason I had it in Better of the Book is I, I thought it was very funny. I guess maybe funny is not the right term. But J J Tris has to go on this journey over the course of the book where the first time she sees Joanna, she, she thinks to herself, well, she would have been pretty if not for the scar or something mm -hmm. along those lines. And I was like, well, that star, scar sounds fucking cool. So I don't know what you're talking about. And then at the end of the book, uh, Tris realizes as Joanna is talking uh, that that she's not she does she's not pretty in spite of the scar or something like that she's pretty because of it or with it or something mm -hmm. along those lines that it amplifies her beauty and I was like oh, that's very funny <laughs> to me that that was a journey that she had to go on now again I get it she's sixteen she's dumb yeah you know whatever I I I think that's fine like a fine thing to write in your story kind of like hey you know like like a character of one of your protagonists learning you know realizing that kind of being weird and judgmental about that and and you know coming to terms and, and realizing that there are different ways to appreciate beauty and blah 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 and stuff like that i think it's fine but it is a moment where reading it as like a, a, a well-adjusted adult makes it feel very like yeah cheap it, and silly. yeah it was it felt a little silly to me i think just because it was like Every time yes. we interacted with yes. Joanna, Tris was like fixated on on the scar and how yes. she would have been beautiful if not for the scar. Yes. Um, the other kind of issue that I had with it was that I wasn't sure how it was connected to like any other 
themes. No, not in the really. Story. No, I would say just not kind really. Of hanging out it's by kind itself. of its own thing. I think that's fine. Again, I don't mind. I think you can have a little kind of throwaway little message about, you know, I don't know, not having very specific beauty standards or whatever, yeah. I think is a fine little message to have. And, and she kind of does go on that journey, but it is still just doesn't work for me as a mm, like, well, yeah, yeah, obviously it sounded cool. I don't know what you're talking about. And not to say, you know, whatever scars or whatever they are, what they are. It's just, I just thought it was, it, yeah, it was just an interesting detail. And the movie just doesn't really address it at all because the scar is barely visible. Uh, there's finally a discussion in the book about how erudite is basically required for this society to function that we don't get in the movie. Yeah. Um, Tris is like annoyed at how important they are, but it is one of those things because the society like, makes no sense. They do all the they tech. do everything. Yeah. Like everything that I mean, not everything, but, you know, some of the most important stuff that the society has. Yeah, and like, needs. like basically anything science based. Yes. They do it. Medicine. Yeah. All of medicine. Apparently it would yeah, seem medicine, all... tech, um, food science, yeah. farming science, yeah. anything. All that stuff is is them. And it's like, yeah, they're pretty important. And again, it, it does get back to, boy, I have the reveal at the end of, uh, well, we already spoiled it with the with the summary, but the reveal at the end of this is all like some big experiment makes this make. That is one of the big parts we're going to talk about in Lost Adaptation, but this, I still am so interested. It's the thing I'm most interested for about the sequel is do we get any answers for what the thought process was behind <laughs> this weird ass experiment? I have to know, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there later or we'll discuss that more later. Uh, there's a quick little scene um, while they're hanging out in Amity where Tobias and Caleb have like some bro time and they're like hanging out and throwing butter knives. I did not remember. You don't remember this, that? No. Tobias is like trying to teach oh, him to yes, throw I a do. knife, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they only have butter knives because Amity doesn't allow weapons of any kind. Yeah. One of the like kind of mysteries that were introduced to at the beginning of this book, I guess it's mentioned in the last book. I don't remember. Was it mentioned in the last book? Like the secret message thing so. that abnegation knew about if it was it was very in passing and i don't recall it i'm not saying it could okay. have been but it... uh so so one of the first like new mysteries that we have in this installation is that um tris finds out that abnegation had some kind of like information, information. from the founders of the city yeah um I don't even know if it's, does it even that specifically implied in the book? I It could be. I just don't recall. I just I remember. I think it was. Okay. And maybe it is. I just remember there there, there was some secret Yeah, there was some like had. secret information that Abnegation had um, that they were like planning to reveal. And that was supposedly the reason that erudite attacked them was to like keep them from revealing this yes and we will later find out in the book that they were specifically planning to reveal this information yeah. to everybody whereas um at this point we don't know that we just know they had this information and janine wanted this information right. we later find out that yeah they were going to reveal it and she didn't want that to happen um so the the way that the movie does it i will grant makes more sense um the movie just has marcus be like hey there's this other thing that I need to tell you guys about. Um, and maybe we should like be concerned about that too. Uh, and of course the main group does not like Marcus. So they're like, get out of here, old man. Mm -hmm. We don't care about you. But I, I actually liked the way that the book did it. 
um, where Triss, like, she sees Marcus and Joanna going into the orchard and, like, yes. follows them and overhears them discussing yeah. um, this this secret information. Yeah, and then she confronts Marcus about yeah. it. And it's like, what are you talking well, Like, what is yeah. this? Yeah. Um, and I thought it was really interesting because there are a couple little implications here and there in the book um, that all of these adults who are, like, super gung-ho about factions used to like fraternize with each other yeah i thought that was interesting too because i had the same a similar note about how we find out that and this detail is not in the movie and i liked it in the book we find out that triss's dad was erudite when he was mm -hmm. born and that he was actually friends with janine when they were younger and they like grew up together and were friends and i was like well that's it doesn't really matter like no none of it really but it's matters but yeah. it is interesting and it makes the world feel like a little deeper yes yeah i would agree with that for sure uh then in amity we are uh, we, in the book it is revealed that they which is, this is completely cut from the movie that they have this drug that they use uh tris gets in a fight we'll talk about that she gets in a fight with peter and she has to go to this room and they're like talking to her and then they inject her with this drug and it's some like calming drug it ends up being mm -hmm. kind of like a ecstasy type thing or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's some nebulous. It's not supposed to be anything specific. It's just, just like a nebulous it happy drugs. And that's what it is. She gets like loopy and happy. Uh, and I, I, I thought that was that whole thing was interesting. I, I have mixed feelings about the whole narrative throughout this book uh, that Janine has of like see every every group has weird messed mm -hmm. up it, mainly we'll talk about it later with the faction list but whatever uh I, I thought it was at least interesting and i there was some fun moments here that i was looking forward to in the movie and specifically like tris is like out of it and loopy and she's talking to somebody uh one of the i think one of the amity people and she's like i'm not very nice am i and the other person goes not most of the time no and i thought that <laughs> was very funny and then she's talking to uh tobias while she's still on this drug and tobias is like what is wrong with you and she's like that's why you like me isn't it because you're not very nice either <laughs> and I, I really enjoyed that exchange in the book it made me chuckle so yeah i was disappointed it wasn't in the movie yeah i was a little torn on the movie leaving this out um because we also find out that amity puts it in the bread yes so they're just like constantly dosing their yes. entire population with this stuff yes. and it doesn't make them like tris we th there's this also a detail that she gets she got basically an overdose like yeah. way too much of it and that's why she's all loopy and stuff everybody else gets like micro dosed this stuff essentially yeah um and i did think it was kind of interesting world be world building but it doesn't end up like no all that we don't really come back to it yeah, or discuss we don't do it or anything with it, it we don't discuss it it doesn't yeah it, again i think it's more so just it's setting up the idea that no matter which faction you might think oh amity's great they seem super chill but actually they you know they're doing this nefarious mm -hmm. consent violating thing without people knowing and it's everybody sucks kind of again i don't know necessarily what the point we're going for with that but that is what we're doing is you know <laughs> establishing the fact that each each faction has something that makes them kind of messed up um so one of the big changes that i'm sure a lot of book people were really upset with uh who were fans of the book in the movie because i remember seeing a thing about this we talked about this in the prequel on imdb is in the book tris is not able to sh hold or shoot a gun at all because mm -hmm. she has ptsd from killing will i like that i think uh, i think it's at least interesting 
for her character. In the movie, she literally is just like using guns from moment one, has no problem. She has other issues she's dealing with, but it is yeah. not like shooting people. She just she she grabs a rifle in the very opening of this when they're getting chased out of Amity and just unloads at a bunch of of the erudite Dauntless who are not like under mind control. I mean, they are evil, quote unquote, in this <laughs> instance, but they're not, you know, they're not like under mind control. And I just thought it was which I guess is better in her defense arguably like in her opinion it would probably be better anyways point being she does just shoot a bunch or at them i don't think she actually hits anybody i don't know i it's not a big deal i i thought the movie worked fine without mm-hmm. it because again they work other elements of like what she's dealing with and going through but i thought i enjoyed the whole gun mm-hmm. ptsd storyline i mean honestly the movie's depiction with her like having nightmares and flat flashbacks worked better for me I just thought that the the gun plot point in the book was a little bit clunkily done. Um, Although I may just feel that way because it kind of dovetailed with one of my other complaints uh, about Triss supposedly being reckless. Mm. Um, We have more thoughts on that later. Definitely have more notes on that later. It it didn't really bother me in the movie. It wasn't a huge issue. There's also so much going on that I think that would have been kind of a complicated thing to portray. No, I don't disagree. I I think it's fine. It didn't bother me that much. I just, I, I thought it was a fine little kind of thing for her character to deal with in the book. Mm -hmm. And again, it's, it's whatever. I I wasn't completely upset. Like some people were apparently (laughs) uh, with the movie for not including that. Yeah. Um, when they get on the train with uh the factionless in the book, mm-hmm. um, they hop this train and surprise, surprise, it's full of all the factionless people, yeah. some of whom are carrying weapons. Yes, and I I didn't see him in the movie, but there was one man whose weapon was described as a large plank of wood with a nail sticking yes. out of the end. And I really wanted him to be in the movie. One bo- two Just by four with like a nail. A two by four with a single nail yep. on the end. It would be very funny. Uh, yeah. Cause normally when you see that, you're, you're thinking like the, you know, baseball bat yeah. with a bunch of nails yeah. through it or whatever, but nope, just a, which I mean, it's an effective weapon. There's no, I'm not arguing. If you hit me with two by four with a nail on the end, I'm probably going to kill somebody, but uh, yeah, it is. It is. It would have been fun to see that person. A person I was missing from, which I had a feeling they wouldn't be there because they weren't in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is Edward does not make an appearance in this film, and I thought that was fun in the book. Edward shows up as part of the faction list, and if you don't recall, Edward was one of the Dauntless initiates in book one, who Peter ended up stabbing in the eye with a butter knife. Yeah, uh, and we find out in this one some more details. Like it wasn't as unprovoked as it seemed. Supposedly, the, he was sleeping and he stabbed him in the face yeah. with butter knife. It seems, but there's some. Well, they something... say they say that Edward did something. Yes, but they don't, but they say, don't what. say what. Yeah, yeah. So, so who knows? Um, but anyways, they so uh, but he is now back and he has a uh, an eye patch in the in in the book and he's one of the factionless. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was a fun connection to book one, having him show up. And having yeah. an actual connection to the faction list and, and connecting somebody that was in Dauntless and dropped out, I thought was at least fun. But again, it with him not being I, in the first I movie. I think they could have at least given that one main yeah, faction list a, guy an eye patch. Yeah, there's no reason not yeah, to. Just as, just as like, well, like a, a little, a little yeah. thing for book readers, you yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't do that, but whatever. Um, then in the book, after they get to the faction list base, we get this section where they just... They answered. I, I was laughing because uh, they just 
Veronica Roth just answers like a handful yeah, of questions. Yeah, we just like go down a line in a row that we had had from the previous book, specifically about like the factionless and stuff like that. And I just thought it was very funny. Uh, one of those is that they break down who, what kind of, what people make up the factionless, and apparently it's mostly from Dauntless because yeah. their initiation is like the most difficult or whatever. Then erudite, then candor, and then amity, like in descending number of people percentage of people or whatever and there's supposedly basically nobody from abnegation because abnegation doesn't like kick people out or whatever mm -hmm. uh but we also then after that get an answer because you had asked this about what happens to old dauntless yeah which I, it was mentioned maybe in the first or maybe uh, you had some uh, reason that you brought it up and i don't remember why but yeah i don't remember but anyway she she answers that and it is that they just get kicked out essentially yeah. <laughs> Oh, I and think once the, they can't do the reason job. that I had wondered that was because their uh, Dauntless headquarters is not like accessible. Oh, if you're not, it's not able -bodied. handicap accessible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it, that section did feel a little bit like Veronica Roth like went onto the fandom. It's not blogs. ADA compliant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and she just like took a peek at whatever uh, what everyone yes. was wondering about and criticizing, yes. and was like, "I'll just answer a couple." Yeah. There, there are a few things here. like that throughout. It doesn't feel as much as some of the stuff in Fifty Shades last yeah. year, but there's definitely <laughs> some things where you could tell it feels like somebody. Well, and she explicitly admits it in a note that I'll talk about later at the end of this book in the bonus materials. There is a thing she specifically uh, talks about that was a response to some feedback she got. But anyways. Uh, speaking of the faction list, we then meet uh, Evelyn, who is Tobias's mother, mm -hmm. uh, played by Naomi Watts in the film. And I, my only note is she felt a little bit too clean and put together. Yeah. If, if for the factionless. So I know what we're going for. We're showcasing the fact that the factionless aren't what we expected. They aren't, you know, they're, they're, they, they have their own society. They have their own thing, which is a criticism. We, not even a criticism. We were hoping to see that in this book. So I was glad that we did because that was one thing we talked about in the first one is like, you know, this, this what are the facts on going to be? Is it going to be that they are just like this weird stereotype of homeless people? And it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a little bit more complicated and interesting than that. And I appreciated that. But that being said, it still felt like it, her hair is like flawless in the movie yes. <laughs> to the point of like, okay. And now I get it. She's like the leader. And maybe we're trying to do a thing of like, because she ends up kind of being not a villain, but like an uh, morally gray, like yeah. to, 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 a, to in the book to straight up, maybe villain kind of potentially. Uh, so we'll see where it goes, I guess. Uh, the end of the book is not looking great for Evelyn, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. um, but that being said, I, so maybe they're going for a thing where it's like, I mean, she's, she's hoarding yeah, resources for herself I also kind of got that something. vibe when they were having dinner yeah. and they had like a nice setup with a table yeah. and kind of imp implying that she's actually like hoarding resources yeah. or something like, which or is like taking the best stuff, yes, for taking herself. all the best stuff for herself or something. And, and, and maybe that's what they're going for. If that wasn't what they were going for, then I, she's an underground rebel leader. Right. Like, Again, I get it. She should look. She should. She shouldn't look like a caricature of an unhoused person. But but they could have made her like like look like a warlord this, or something. Yes, or, or look like yeah. She looks like a wine mom. Like I yes. don't. I, I, it, like a, a very well manicured yeah. wine mom. And it's I also just, I said this to you while we were watching, and you disagreed with me. But I thought she looked too young. I didn't disagree. She looks very young. But then I looked it up and she's 16 years older than the actor that plays Tobias. And she specifically says in the movie 
that she had him very young. Yeah. And I thought it worked because of she came from abnegation and they're like a weird religious cult kind yeah. of faction. I bought the idea that maybe she got wifed up at 16 and immediately turned out a kid that like worked for me. And again, it I she looked yes, they looked closer than they are, I think. Yeah. In age, but I can see her yeah. Uh so eventually they do leave the factionless uh and go to Candor. And once they get there, uh, they, they have to take this the, the truth serum testing or whatever for different reasons in the book and the movie. We'll discuss it or maybe we won't. But they have to take the truth serum test. And in the book, there's a little detail that when they're giving them the truth serum injection, Triss insists on doing it herself. Mm-hmm. It's a little thing. I liked it for her character uh, in trying to t- kind of take control of especially after she just got dosed with the. And again, this isn't in the movie, but with the the, yeah, the, with the uh, Amity. happy drugs happy at Hamity or at, at Hamity at Amity. <laughs> um, and, and especially with the thing that comes back later, which we'll talk about uh, in the movie. I thought it would have made sense for her to have that little character moment. And there's I don't see any reason why you wouldn't do that. But anyways, there's a little detail in the book. And again, I guess it kind of works in the movie because we don't really address this during the truth serum scene with Triss. She recounts what happened at the end of the last book when she went and stopped Tobias from running the simulation. Mm -hmm. And she confesses that she remembered as she was fighting Tobias, she remembered her fear test, fear simulation test from earlier, where the way she passed it or succeeded was by letting herself be killed. And this is a detail I called out in the first one of the movie, changing that to her murdering her family or whatever. Yes. And making that that was a really weird change because in the movie they have her like murder her family, whereas in the book she lets Janine shoot, Janine shoot her. And that change, I was like, this is such a weird change. And then in this, it comes back because she explains that she remembered how in her fear test she let Janine shoot her. And kill her and you know that was whatever and then so she thought of that moment while she was fighting tobias and so she that's why she basically gave up and let tobias kill her if he was going to and then that is what triggered him to uh and we find out a bunch more details about what was going on with him but basically what the serum they gave him made him like invert everything where he thought he thought he was shutting the i think he thought he was shutting the simulation down mm-hmm. And that Triss was there to stop him from shutting it down. So that's why he was fighting her. And then when she didn't try to kill him, when she gave up, he realized, oh, something's wrong. And that like triggered him to to snap out of it, basically. And so it just made no sense to me. Again, the movie just kind of glosses over all this by not including this part of the questioning in the movie. But I, I, the changing the fear test in the first movie messes up that climax. And it's even reinforced here again with this part I thought in a way that it was just like, I don't know why you would change that, but yeah, I don't know. It was a Cause it doesn't change. come back in this movie in a way that matters either. Mm-mm. So I don't, in fact, I would say if anything, the opposite based on what, how this, the, the simulation things end in this movie, it would make more sense for her to have experience with like mm-hmm. letting go or whatever. I don't know. It's just, uh, this is a weird change. Uh, so I did end up missing Lynn. There's a character named Lynn who is in the book that does not show up in the movie. Uh, she, was she in book one? No, okay. I don't think so. But then again, I don't know. And that's we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> uh, but uh, she when Tris gets to 
candor. She like yeah. takes her under her. She's one of the Dauntless, though. Yes. She's like one of the Dauntless who's hanging out at Candor. Who she wasn't. Yeah, I think like she was Dauntless of born. Furias. Yeah, I think she's Daunt one of the Dauntless born. She might have been yeah. mentioned in the first book, but she's not like a character we like interact with right. or whatever. Um, but she ends up kind of taking Triss under her wing. And there's this weird thing where she actually doesn't think she has like a conspiracy theory. Yes. She doesn't think divergence actually exists and that it's all like this made up government conspiracy. I love that. Yeah. And, I felt like that was this universe's version of like the government did 9 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I and I liked Triss kind of figures out that it's it's actually like a defense mechanism. She yeah. actually kind of gets to the root of where a lot of conspiracy thinking comes from, is that Triss is like, she probably thinks this because she's trying to like comfort herself because she ended up, she was one of the people under the simulation at the end mm -hmm. that attacked abnegation or whatever. And so this is kind of like a thing she is lying to herself about to ease the guilt she feels for being yes. part of that. Yeah. Because if divergence aren't real and don't exist, then she's not failing for not being one or whatever. Essentially, I think is kind of what's going on. Um, but anyways, I thought that was interesting. I also thought it was interesting. Tris spends a lot of time, in the book, noting the details of Lynn's face and how full her lips are and like the curves of her body. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this ends up seeming to come mostly from a place of envy, yes. kind of, as opposed to. But Tris does this with several characters throughout the yes. book. Did you notice she does. that? Yes, I it's I noticed. <laughs> and I, uh, but yeah, I, I, it does, uh, at least in Lynn's case, come from a place mostly of envy. So no shipping. Uh, also, spoilers, Lynn <laughs> dies at the end of this book. So yeah. <laughs> no shipping anyway. Yeah. Although you could ship. And you could do anything technically, you want in fan fiction. Also, you could because we'll get to a detail later about Lynn. <laughs> uh, I, there's a little scene in the book that I thought the movie could have included that I enjoyed, which is when the Dauntless choose their new leaders. So the, the Dauntless faction at Candor. They're kind of leaderless because Eric and Max and the other people who were their leaders are now the evil, you know, traitor mm -hmm. Dauntless or whatever. So they need new leadership. They pick their new leaders. And originally it was going to be there was four people like nominated Tobias, Triss, Tori and some guy. Yes, yeah, who some, they eventually name, and I, Harrison, I believe, is his name. They don't. And yeah, we've, drove never, me crazy. we've never met him. We've before. Never met him, and I'm pretty sure in the scene, and I could be wrong about this, but I thought in the scene where he gets elected leader, they don't say his name, but then later they just start naming him, and I had to put together. No, because somebody says his name when they nominate him. Oh, do they? Okay, yeah, I, maybe. I, but I, I also like had him kind of confused with Hector for oh. a second when but they were Hector's in that scene very young because yeah and then that's like an why i was so confused because <laughs> i was like hector's man, he's a kid yeah and then i was like oh it's a different age name okay yes. cool dude the name yeah we'll, we'll get to it <laughs> um but anyways I, I liked them like choosing their new leadership and tris ends up turning it down and mm -hmm. just letting tobias and the other two it's, it's a little detail but I, again it's kind of some world building stuff that i thought was at least kind of interesting yeah uh, if not yeah that for interesting sure. I, I think it's a yeah, whatever um, and shortly after that, um, after they elect their leaders in the book, they have uh, like a little quote unquote trial for mm -hmm. Eric. Um, and I, I kind of preferred the book's version of it where they more like like listed out all of his transgressions, his crimes. He, and he makes Triss do it. And yeah. she does. I know. I agree. I So I had this in Better Than Movie, but only one aspect of it. Overall, I liked how the scene played out in the book better in general. Uh, including there's thing where once once they convict him, essentially it's a, it's a made up kangaroo court. They know he's guilty. Yeah. It's not like they're not like they need to present evidence. I've been watching this guy murder people for you know <laughs> the entire the entire first book and then this one so far. Um, but they uh, 
they're going to execute him, and they do that by pulling out three guns, and uh, which I believe this is not actually historically why this was done, but they pull out three guns and they put like a bullet in mm-hmm. one of them, and then <laughs> and then Tob- Tobias literally does the hat <laughs> dance with them. He like swoops them around on the floor and mixes them all up. Uh, that way, one of the leaders has the bullet, but they don't know which one. And again, so this is based on like the old historical thing of like firing squads uh, all having well, like only one or all of them having bullets except for one person mm-hmm. and supposedly that was and i believe that's a myth or, or some it's more complicated than that but anyways the idea behind it was that if they they would not load one of the rifles that way if you everybody who was part of the firing squad could have like plausible deniability that they maybe theirs was the one that didn't yeah. they didn't shoot but i i've heard that's not true i don't i don't know the details of it but i think i've i watched a video somewhere about that not being true anyway so it's a similar kind of spin on that um, and I also like uh, before Tobias does ultimately uh, Eric is like, just do it, you coward. And Tobias is like, OK, and just shoots him in the head. But before he does, he says, be brave, which is what they all say, like as it's like a thing they say. Uh, when people are going to die or potentially mm-hmm. or something like that, when they're taking their next step into the, the next beyond or whatever, they say, be brave. And I think the movie cut that line because they think they thought it would sound like too cruel. Mm hmm it would kind of sound like he's taunting him which he is kind of but also not really i thought i like it as a little world building detail as like part of this ritual thing that yeah the dauntless do. yeah it's just a, you know a demonstration that they have their own little culture yeah you know yeah but the so the thing the reason i had this better movie the only thing that i liked better in the movie particularly was i liked moving it to right after the invasion yes so in the book the invasion happens at candor and then they, a lot of a lot of, a lot of talking, talking and blah blah happens. blah blah blah, and then eventually they're gonna leave because Candor is gonna turn them over. And before they yeah. leave, they elect the new leaders, and then they go execute Eric because uh, Candor was gonna put him on trial, but Dauntless were like, "No, we try yeah, our he's own ours. People. Yeah, we try our yeah. own people." Blah blah. blah. Um, so I just like smashing that together and just having them do it right after the mm-hmm. right after the invasion. Yeah, I agree. During that invasion, uh, as we said in the description or in the summary, all uh, all of the people get a lot of the people get hit with these like little uh, um, darts, basically that embed in their skin and inject uh, simulation serum, which we will talk about later, uh, into them. Uh, and it's a special serum that is continually active that they can use multiple times and kind of activate whenever they want. Supposedly, seemingly, I don't know why they don't just I, activate it all the time. Yeah. I don't whatever. Uh, and I don't know why they don't just immediately activate all of them and have them march to area. I, whatever. <laughs> but they they can apparently activate it kind of whenever they want. And we get this scene, which is a fun, chilling scene in both the book and the movie, where they uh, activate like three of the people because they want um, all the Divergent turned over. Mm-hmm. And so they threaten. They're like, hey, Divergent, come and turn yourself into Ariadite. Uh, if you don't, three people are going to kill themselves every day until you do or whatever and they have these three people who are going to like jump off and in the book it's like off the roof of the building because they're at the dauntless compound but in the movie they're in the factionless headquarters and it's like some ledge in the factionless thing i prefer the book's version slightly the movies is fine um but in the book we at least kind of know who the people are that are yeah about to jump off this building uh in the movie we're like who are these people other than christina christina becomes and that's the difference is that in the book 
Christina is not one of the people who's going right. to jump. She actually comes and gets Triss, which was a problem I had in the book. It's like, why did she get Triss and only Triss? I don't know. Instead of like a bunch like, of yeah, people. Soundingly like, alarmed. Yeah, I, she she seems to see these people go climb to the roof to commit suicide and just like, I'll get just Triss to stop them. I'm like, I, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, but in the movie, they make Triss one of the people who gets mind controlled in this moment. Uh, that and and Triss ends up saving her. Uh, so that's it's yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I was of two minds on that because I did like the movie adding Christina to the mix, especially with the tension between her and Triss mm, at this time. Mm. Um, and then in the book, we know Marlene and Hector like yeah. a little bit, so that part of it works better than it does in the movie. Yeah, the thing I really missed in the movie that was in the book is actually after that scene is that once she saves. They save two of the people, but they don't save Marlene, and she she falls into her death. Um, and there's this moment in the book where as she's coming, Triss is coming down from the roof. She's on the elevator by herself. She gets on the elevator, and she just, like, completely breaks down. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as she gets off the elevator, she, like, recomposes herself. And I thought it was going to—I thought that had potential to be a really good, powerful scene. Yeah. Of, like, holding her composure until she gets on the elevator and then just losing it. And then gathering herself again before she gets off the elevator in front of everybody. I was I was excited to see that scene acted. And it's not in the movie. But that this is a little <laughs> detail that I wish would have been in there. I also I just wanna I just wanna call out this line real quick while we're talking about this scene. Um after this happens, I think this might be in the elevator. She like drops to her knees. Mm-hmm. But the line that Veronica Roth wrote is mm-hmm. I dropped to the earth just as Marlene did. I'm like, Veronica, please. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little it's a little glib considering the <laughs> Yeah. Um, so then Triss decides uh, she is going to turn herself into erudite yes. to prevent these suicides from happening. Uh, and in the movie, we see her get arrested immediately upon walking up to She walks erudite. through like a scanner yeah. that they have and it's like, whoa. It like identifies yeah. her. Um, and that makes sense. Yes. That makes a lot of makes sense. perfect sense. But in the book, she just like walks into the lobby and nobody notices or cares. And I thought that was so fucking funny. It's very funny. She literally walks up to the desk and it's like, excuse me. And the guy's like, hold on. And just ignores her. The guy like (laughs) working at the front desk. I I also enjoyed that scene in the book. But yeah, definitely the movie's version makes way more sense. Um, And I I think the movie skipped this. I didn't notice it. I didn't the, see. It. I think it was in the first one, though. Was it? I was thought. it there in the first? There, there's the first a one. there's apparently a giant portrait of Janine yeah. in the lobby at, at Erudite headquarters, and I guess the giant video screens are <laughs> yeah, similar. Yeah, there's a giant version of her on the building outside. But I also know. just thought that was really funny. Yes, but yeah, I'm pretty sure because that is also mentioned in the first book when Janine goes to or uh-huh. when Triss goes to Erudite, and I'm pretty sure we see it in the first movie, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, it's not in this one, but yeah, we, we, it gets replaced by a 500 foot tall or maybe not 500 foot, but a hundred foot tall video Janine on the side of the building. (laughs) Once she does turn herself in, uh, Janine is going to run a bunch of experiments on her. Uh, they're different in the book and the movie. We'll discuss that. But, uh, in the book, there's this little details that she's like, well, we're going to run all these experiments on you. And then at the end, we're going to execute you. And in the book, she like walks her into this room and she 
shows her she's like this is the room where you're gonna die and it's really chilling and like mm-hmm. i thought it was a very good like making your villain scary and intimidating and like terrifying scene uh again th- there is no plan to execute her in the in the film so that's probably the main reason they don't do that but i liked that scene in the book yeah I mentioned that the experiments that they do in the book of the movie are different. Um, and the movie's version of it is, I think, more digestible. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I did miss from the book was Triss regularly taunting Janine for not being able to, like, fully trick her yes. with a simulation. There's multiple, situ- multiple instances of this, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I liked that, too. There's one moment in particular uh, where she... <laughs> She literally goes into like baby mode elementary school bully and 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 just repeats back everything yeah. Janine says in like a mocking voice. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> why I mean, not? She is 16. Why fair not? enough. Whatever. I also, like, if, you know, if this person's going to kill me anyway, yeah. I, fuck it. We ball, you know, yeah, like, yeah. who cares? Who cares? Uh, there's a little detail in the book that is interest is mine that I thought was interesting is that. Over the days and maybe weeks that she is at Erudite and they're running these experiments, they just lock her in a room and then they walk her to whatever lab they're doing experiments on her in. And she keeps track of the the hallways are all like just empty white. Mm-hmm. If you've seen Severance, it's like the hallways in Severance is what I was imagining. Uh, and she uh, but she keeps track of the hallways because there's no markings or anything um, by how many steps it takes her to walk the mm-hmm. length of the hallway and so she has the hallways like it just ends up not mattering but i just thought it was a fun little detail she keeps track of and it's a little character thing of like kind of yeah. the person that tris is so she, she like has number like names the hallways numbers like 47 10 12 or whatever and it's just the number of steps that that hallway takes her to walk which i thought was again a fun little detail um kind of character building and just interesting and then I mentioned earlier where uh, the movie misses out on the opportunity of having Triss inject herself with the true serum because I th- I, I, it even came back harder here that they really miss that opportunity when at, th- at this scene at the end in the movie where Janine is putting her into the simulation. And but to do that, they have these giant like tentacle, tentacle. needle things yeah. come down and like. Uh, insert into her all over the place and it and it felt like that would be really contrast well with it would it would amp up the the how horrible what is happening to her in this scene is because it's completely like violating her consent Mm -hmm. entirely um by having her you know do the injection herself in the candor scene juxtaposing that to what's happening now i think just Mm -hmm. would have amped it up a little bit even more it's not a big deal but anyways there's this little detail in the movie that is not in the book. Well, obviously it's not in the book because it's a camera shot thing. I thought this <laughs> did not work in the movie. It worked a little better because we find out that it's actually a simulation and not actually happening. But there's this moment where Janine is like taunting Triss. Mm-hmm. And we're in simulations, in and out of simulations. And there's this period at the end of the movie where we're not sure when you're in the simulation and when you're simulation and when you're not intentionally. Uh, and there's this moment where she's she's in the simulation room, and so we think she's not in the simulation yet. And then Tris or Janine is talking to her and just like taunting her. 
and then it cuts to a close-up of Triss's face and the camera. Triss is very upset because she's like mocking her about her family dying or getting her family killed or whatever. And it cuts to a close-up of Triss's face and the camera is like violently shaking in a way that is very was very comical to me. I get what they're going for. It just did not work for me. I will say, like I said, once I realized it was a simulation, I was like, okay. This works a little better because mm-hmm. reality gets all weird and like, and it ultimately, like, this where the scene goes after that, we'll talk about the world like explodes basically. Um, but I that particular shot before I knew it was a simulation, when the camera is like shaking on her face, I was like, oh, that's not a good whose choice was that the director's <laughs> cho- that was not a good choice, and I think that's a failure just because until you realize it's a simulation like i i might have laughed out loud maybe not laughed out loud but i was just like ugh yeah and then i'm like oh, okay i mean it's not good but it's better that it's just, <laughs> it's not actually I didn't really like, notice it it's a little thing <laughs> I don't know. that's the kind of thing that i know yeah uh, there's a little detail in the book that is not in the movie too is that tobias has been captured at this point he came to try to rescue tris it's complicated we'll kinda, yeah yeah kind of kind of um in the in the movie he came whatever it doesn't matter but he's captured and he's in the erudite base and uh right before they're taking tris to her execution and we get this great which doesn't really happen in the in the movie to be fair but we get this great moment in the book where they he, they they have like a, a sad reunion through a window and they put yeah. their hands on either side <laughs> of the glass and i love a good hand window hand opposite <laughs> sides of the glass moment in a, in a movie and i was disappointed that it wasn't in the movie so the way that peter fakes triss's death is, is slightly different in the book and the movie it's, it's pretty similar but it's, it's similar, like but slightly different i mean the main difference being that in the m- book she's literally being put to death yeah in the movie she's not she's being they're, they're doing more simulations and she right. just dies or seemingly and I, but I just want to say that in the book, I read it and I was like, okay, I understand how he did this. Whereas I thought the movie's explanation felt like a little more like glossed over. Like, like it was a little more like hand wavy, like don't, don't think about it too much. Yeah. They definitely go into more detail in the book. He explains that he died one of the he he got a vial of the paralytic serum and dyed yeah. it to look like a a murder serum or whatever <laughs> he called death serum or yeah. something like that uh and then he applied like faulty heart yeah, monitor he, like, to her switched the wires or something out like or that something well, like he that. goes through that and yeah there is more involved um because yeah you definitely do wonder like with in the movie like okay so the paralytic thing sure but like wouldn't i don't like you the mod she's hooked up to all these machines and yeah. did peter like hack the machine somehow uh, to yeah. make it appear like she's dead appear, or what? i don't know yeah we don't know and they never really explained that i guess he could have he could have done something to um apparently make it make the machines look because that's what he does in the book essentially so mm-hmm. let's assume maybe he did something similar but yeah it's not it's not really explained um my biggest note about that i'll talk about later i i just don't understand what anyways we'll get to it <laughs> um the movie also skips uh because they don't actually escape um from erudite here in this scene in the movie no um but they do in the book they like leave and they go elsewhere uh, and and they escape by going through the trash chute yes they literally Uh, go out the trash classic trope love that yeah uh and it's like with the incinerator where they burn the trash or whatever yeah 
Uh, there's a little detail because they, and this again is not in the movie because we don't leave the Erudite headquarters and then plan a, another attack on Erudite. We mm-hmm. just do it all at once. Uh, but they, in the book, they leave and they go back and they're hanging out at abnegation to figure out what to do next. And like everybody is there, including Marcus and Evelyn and the factionless are there as well now too. And I love the little detail that Evelyn kicks Marcus out of their old house so that she can live in it because it was both of their houses and he, she, it's her turn now because mm-hmm. he's been living in it for the past, <laughs> like, you know, eight years, years or whatever, whatever, however many years. Yeah. Uh, and so it's her turn to use the house now, and I just <laughs> thought that was funny. Uh, there's also a little thing where when they're during this, where they're all kind of meeting back up, waiting and planning their next thing, where Edward confronts Peter because Peter has now escaped with Tris and Tobias. Uh, he confronts Peter at in like the 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 dining hall or something, and he threatens him with a fork, which I thought was funny because mm-hmm. Peter because stabbed him with a butter knife, knife yeah. obviously. Yeah. Anyway. Um. <laughs> I this this isn't like a good thing about the book necessarily, but it made me laugh when I read it. And then it's not in the movie. It's this incredible, I think, unintentional burn on the factionless, and they're they're all like gathered around. And Triss is thinking about. And she's like, I I can't believe that all of these people can just like be in a room together and get along. And then she thinks to herself, the only common ground they have is failure. Tris is, is amazing. Kind of a shit. 10 out of 10. Chris or Tris does kind of suck. I have to question <laughs> if Veronica Roth understood what she was saying in that moment. I think she did. Because I, I think I think that we're not quite to the point where Tris has accepted what the factionalists are like she she hasn't viewed hasn't hasn't come to view them as just people yet i think like <laughs> i don't know yeah so i think that is supposed to be seen at least as i read it it was supposed to be seen as a failing of tris to see them that way i think mm-hmm. but i could be wrong maybe not i maybe not and i don't know if not that's that's rough it but. just felt like like when i read it it felt so glib to me mm-hmm. and like it didn't feel like the text was drawing my attention to that as a point or like as a moment in Chris then Triss's character arc. Yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But it's kind of an incredible burn. It is is it is for sure. There's a little detail in the book that I enjoyed that the erudite have uh little James Bond gadgets. Mm. Really only two. I was expecting more, but it's <laughs> yeah. They're like they're gonna go break into Ariadite again and some of the Ariadite who have defected and are helping our protagonists uh are like, Well, we have these gadgets and one of them is a thing that like shatters glass and emits like a super high frequency to like shatter glass. And then they also have like a, essentially a stun gun, mm-hmm. like a non lethal like stun gun taser type thing. Uh that neither of those appear in the movie, but I thought it would have been fun because who doesn't love a little gadget? <laughs> uh, my last note here, um, even though it was not <sighs> well written. I could written, not disagree more than this. I, Actually, okay, maybe. I have to mourn at least a little bit the potential of the okay. latter scene. I will agree with that. Because I think that could have been a fun movie scene if done competently. I would agree with that. Okay. If done competently, I think that scene could have worked. I had so many problems with that it scene. It was in the terribly book. written. It is one of the worst written 
like handful of pages of yeah. action I've ever read. I was yeah. blown away how poorly described and in just ill conceived the whole thing was. Mm-hmm. I was blew my mind. I can't wait to talk about it in the end. Our next section. What a segue. That's all we had for better in the book. It's time now to talk about what we thought was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. I really enjoyed opening on the propaganda video from Janine that kind of gives us a little recap, refreshes us on Mm -hmm. what's going on and what has been going on. Uh, And there's a little detail that does not come from the book to my memory of Janine basically claiming that the attack on abnegation was like a false flag attack by the divergent. Yes. Like they're responsible for it. Uh, I don't remember that being the case in No, I don't the think book. they do that in the book. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I, I also liked that that kind of resolved the issue of like, what are the other what factions? are the yeah. like what are the other fat what do the other factions think of that and also like we come back to like where the remaining members of abnegation are throughout the book and there's like a moment at the end with marcus that i was like how would this even work because abnegation is supposed to be all like in hiding um but i, I thought this kind of solved that yeah no i thought it was a good definitely a good little little addition I liked that in the movie, I got more of a sense that they were actually, like, living among the Amity, mm-hmm. whereas in the book, I felt like they were just kind of squatting. Yes. Um, and, I, and I liked the sense of not being exactly sure mm-hmm. just how much time has passed. I would agree. Because when we get to them in Amity, it's like it could have it been days, it could have been weeks, we don't know. Yeah. Boy, this is... Uh, I, I... It's another detail that is similar to our compliments for Fifty Shades. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's like, John, don't tell us how much time it has been since things happened. It helps so much. But no, I had the same thought. Uh, and I, in particular, the, there's a little moment where Tobias is like hanging out and playing with like the little kids and like mm-hmm. pushing them on the swing. Uh, and I, I enjoyed just seeing them kind of like existing for a bit. Like yeah. you're saying, yeah, basically. Yeah, for sure. I, I thought it added a lot to kind of just the whole ambiance of mm-hmm. of the world and it was nice to see tobias doing like a normal human yeah. thing as yes. well <laughs> again and similar to 50 shades the tobias in this movie is a a much more uh-huh. realistic human a little, being a little more fleshed out a little more fleshed out normal human being uh, and not the weirdo that he is in the book <laughs> uh, the movie skips a little moment where Caleb kind of tries to be like, oh, uh, that's uh, he like to Tobias, like, oh, uh, that that's my little sister. You better be good to my my little sister. To be fair, he like, does raise a valid, at least a somewhat valid point. He's like, isn't she a little young? I mean, now to I be mean, fair, they're only like they're only like apart, two years but apart. Um, but also, I would like, what are you gonna do, Caleb? Like really, like what are what are you <laughs> gonna true. do? Um, but also, I wanted to bring this up because I don't think it's ever mentioned anywhere in the series. I don't think it is. But Caleb and Triss have to be twins, right? Yes, barring some crazy birth circumstances. Yeah. I mean, it's not impossible because for two they, people to be they born tell in the same us year, but... in in the first book that uh, they do the they do the choosing ceremony when you're sixteen. 
And they do the choosing ceremony at the same time. Yeah. So they have to be twins, right? They have to be twins or I guess there could be some weird medical thing that's slightly yeah. different. Or it is, I think, technically possible if he were born, if one of them were born in like January. Right. And then and their the other mom one was born in like December. Pregnant again, like immediately. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It is like technically possible, but very unlikely, you know, like way more likely that they would just have been twins. But right. I do agree that I don't think it's ever mentioned in the book that, yeah. that they are. So. Maybe uh, Caleb got held back a year. Maybe. You, know, you never know. <laughs> uh, the movie also, the movie cuts a thing that I thought was kind of silly. It, it, some of the, the faction stuff in the book just comes mm -hmm. across as silly. And this is one of those where Amity, it is revealed, just kind of like talks until they magically all agree eventually yeah. on whatever to do, which is why they don't have like a leadership right. uh, hierarchy or whatever. And I was like, oh, all right, sure. Which, I mean, I'm sure that's a lot easier to do when everybody is microdosing. True. Drugs all the time. True. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a pretty small, you know, they're like a commune side. Yeah. You know, they're not like a huge amount. They're of the people. dirty hippies. Of they are. Universe. They're very much like the socialist commune, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever uh, kind of deal going on. But yeah, it just it felt like, all right. Yeah, I don't know. This, the same way this I feel scene... about all the faction like little things where it's just like, oh, OK, okay. erudite wear fake, right. so, fake eyeglasses. Sure. Oh, OK. <laughs> that scene also felt to me like Veronica was trying to do a weird, like clunky little dunk on democracy. I think either that or or more specifically like uh, on like the very like hippie passive, yeah. like let's all just get along kind of passivity like i think it could even be that maybe more so than democracy necessarily but i i could see I, well, I was i was thinking of that specifically because there is a moment where tris is like how do they even get anything done if everybody has a voice that's not efficient yeah and I'm like okay I, all right <laughs> But I, it's always hard to tell because I don't yeah. know how much we're supposed to agree with Triss yes. necessarily at any given moment. Like sometimes it feels like we definitely are and other times I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah, cause not she's, sure. She's definitely going on a journey and learning things and growing. So like, you know, some of the stuff she voices is not, I don't, we're definitely probably not supposed to like uh, just agree with necessarily. But it is hard to tell because she is the protagonist and sometimes you can tell we are supposed to like mm -hmm. identify and agree with her. So yeah, I don't know. The movie uh, cuts uh, another thing that was similar to a moment from the first book uh, that I thought was really weird because it's just fascinating to me how uninterested in learning literally anything Triss and Tobias yes. are. <laughs> There's this moment where so in at Amity, they they farm and they use hydroponics. They call them mm -hmm. aquaponics in the book, but whatever, like hydroponics, aquaponics. And Ford mentions the, the, the term aquaponics and Triss is like aqua what? And Ford goes, you don't want to know. And I'm like, what? Why, Why not? It's yeah. such a strange. Well, and it's weird. It's particularly it's, weird because Tris she, is erudite. Yeah, she it's tested one of for her erudite. Yeah. I, she should be more like curious yeah. and and wanting to learn. But yeah, but it's just every time that kind of it's, it reminded me of the moment with the solar car from yeah. the first one where I'm like, she's like, I stop listening immediately because I don't care. I'm like, why not? It's <laughs> like uh, it's just such a strange. Yeah, this is interesting to me. So uh, getting into some big changes that uh, and this movie does have quite a few big changes. I did this in the in the prequel episode. I mentioned that there was an IMDb trivia fact that said 
the plots are almost nothing alike. Yeah. Uh, it's a very loose adaptation. And I don't agree with I that. I don't agree with that at all. It's it's a pretty, it's an adaptation for sure. They change things, but it is not, I would not describe it as a loose adaptation. No. There are some big changes here and there, but overall, especially for the first like it's, it's not like they did a complete overhaul of yeah. the plot like they made some bigger changes but they're all very like normal screenwriting yes. changes that we see all the time yeah i thought it was very strange that i read that that's just again people in the imdb trivia section for this book series just like <laughs> arguing and like complaining and like being weird um but yeah anyway so but one of the big things is that they set up in the movie this MacGuffin, which they set up in the in the in the book. The MacGuffin is some information. There's this mm -hmm. mysterious information that Janine stole from Abnegation, and we're worried yeah. she's going to destroy it. So we got to get to it real quick. Can you define MacGuffin for everyone who doesn't know? Oh, so MacGuffin is a film term generally, which is just, and I don't know what the technical definition is, but it is an object of desire that mm -hmm. that you don't know what it is. That it, but it is a thing that your protagonists and often antagonists are trying to acquire. Uh, I I think believe it specifically comes from uh, some movie where it was literally a MacGuffin or something like or a character. I can't remember where it comes from, but the idea is there's some mysterious thing that the characters want and we don't know what it is. Usually we find out what it is. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, sometimes we don't. A, a, a very classic example of a MacGuffin is the briefcase from Pulp Fiction that is like the quintessential film school example of MacGuffin. Uh, I, there are other ones. I think believe in Maltese, Fal Mal Maltese yeah, Falcon yeah, Maltese, would be Maltese another Falcon. one. But there, there's lots of them. So mm -hmm. anytime in a movie where there's something that the characters want, but you don't really know what it is or what it does, it's not a MacGuffin if it's like, okay, we want the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. That's not a MacGuffin. I mean, you could maybe make an argument, but in general... We know what that is. We know why they want it. They want it because it has this power to, they think it has the power to like make their army invincible or whatever. Or in uh, another Indiana Jones movie, Last Crusade, getting the, the, um, the God, the cup of Christ, whatever. Mm. What is the uh, Holy Grail? Yeah. Getting the Holy Grail <laughs> is not a MacGuffin because we know what it is. Like we understand what it is and why people want it. But if it's something where we don't know what it is or why the characters want it necessarily, uh, or there's more mystery around it that is and there's probably a more technical definition of MacGuffin that's just how I've always understood it so editing Brian jumping in here to say that technically I looked it up a MacGuffin is just any item that characters are going after so technically it, it, one of the items referenced on or actually two of the items referenced on like the Wikipedia for MacGuffin are the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail from the Indiana Jones movies I've always interpreted it more as a thing that's like either mysterious or insignificant and not like, okay, we got to go get this very specific, powerful thing that we know what it is. But I could see the argument that it's still a MacGuffin. Your mileage may vary. I don't know. Language evolves. I really like the setup of the MacGuffin in the movie because yeah. both the book and the movie kind of have it. It's just in the movie, in the book, it's more nebulous. Again, it's just like this information. Yeah, it's like it's a secret. Yes. It's not an object. It's a secret information of some sort. Which is fine. I don't mind that. And I can even see the argument that making it a literal object feels like cheap and easy, mm -hmm. like making it this thing that they need to acquire. But I actually do prefer it in this instance. Um, we find out in the movie... It, they say at the beginning, inside is a message from the founders that will ensure the future we deserve, I believe is what Janine 
says about it at one point, and that she needs a divergent to open it. Yeah. So the thing I like about this is it gives us very concrete yes goal yes very concrete like direction that the book just completely lacks yes. to me the book leaves it almost too nebulous and, and and i felt myself scrounging for like purpose reading the book of like okay i know there's some secret but i know literally nothing about it and everybody just talks about it in yeah. complete like mist like in complete vagaries all the time and it's like okay, and I don't, there's all these other like goals going on yes, around it yes. as well that really like makes things feel scattered. Yeah, it just muddles everything up. And in the movie, it's like, okay, I understand. There's this box. They mm -hmm. want to open it. We don't know what's in it. Sure, that's still a mystery, but there's this thing that they want to open for some reason. Janine thinks it's gonna like uh ensure the future we deserve. She thinks it's gonna have some way to do like destroy the divergent or like control the yeah. divergent or whatever. But they she wants it. And the Divergent can open it. Yeah. Cool. Great. Makes sense. In the book, she wants, she has this. She has the information. But she's just holding on to yeah, it. Yeah, she's just like keeping it. And they want to know what it is. They want to know what it is. But Marcus knows what it is. Yeah. So he, why couldn't he just tell? I guess people wouldn't believe Maybe if he just said he would, what it yeah. was. That's the other thing is like. I like in the movie, nobody knows what's in there. It's yes. like a true mystery yes, yes, to yes. everybody. In the book, Marcus, Janine, everybody like knows this information already, except we don't know what it is. <laughs> and it's very frustrating. Yeah. And so well, I and it is it's frustrating too, additionally, I think, because I think in the hands of maybe a more competent storyteller yeah. writer, you could have made a really interesting kind of analogy with like adults withholding information yeah, from yeah. like the like teenagers and younger people yeah but that is not what happens in this book. no no um, and, yeah and the, the MacGuffin box here it's it's not the most elegant solution it's not the most no. clever or mind-blowing solution definitely not but it is a hell of a lot more digestible yes. than what the book does it is easy but sometimes you do that like yeah. that's fine i was okay with it like i said i I could normally see myself being like, well, you just made it a little magic box they need to open. I could see myself yeah. criticizing Well, if it. it had been done competently in the book, yes, we would true. be criticizing it right yes. now. Yes, that is true. If it had been done well in the book, I'd be like, ugh, all right. But since the book is such a mess, it's just like, yeah, fine, make it a magic box. I'm fine with it being <laughs> a magic box. I don't care. Uh, my only caveat to that is, like I said, I do like it, but... I don't love that the way to open it is passing Sims of all five factions. One, because we have had no implication or indication in the book or the movies that the other factions have Sims that they do. We talked about this yeah. in the last one that like the, the Sims are specifically a part of the dauntless initiation. They do fear simulations and we talked about how in candor they don't do simulations they do the truth serum yeah. test and in erudite they do you know like they some do sort like of a intelligence test intelligence of some test kind. or whatever and and blah 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 that kind of thing and so the 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 fact that there's like multiple simulate whatever it's again it's not i don't hate it and i my biggest thing i was like whatever i i just think it's a little dumb th that simulation thing i wish there would have been a way like i will say i think it works narratively Mm -hmm. It just feels like it does. It kind of comes at it like the explanation is like, well, I think it's supposed to be a connection to the choosing ceremony sim. 
right? Where they where they they're like, oh, and and yeah, yeah. that they're eliminating. Okay, factions. okay, okay. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You're right. I forgot about. I honestly forgot. But about I the think choosing. here the idea would be no, yeah, that, that she like sense. tests positive for all the factions. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes okay. I can buy that. That makes sense. I legitimately just forgot about the yeah. choosing <laughs> ceremony. Sim. No, so you're a hundred percent correct. No, I okay. That makes me like it more. Like I said, I my my caveat to my caveat was that it's not any dumber than anything in the book. So yeah. like whatever. Like I don't, I don't really care, but that okay. And you've you've sw- you've you've swayed me. No, that actually makes sense. If the choosing ceremonies or choosing sim thing is part of this universe, I like this. This is your graduation. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's, that's your, this is your this is your uh, your your LSATs or whatever. Like that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm right. I'm back on board. Uh, the movie cuts a conversation that I found incredibly frustrating in the book, where she's talking to Caleb about her choosing test. Speaking of it. And she's explaining her test results to him and how she had multiple factions and how she can tell that she's in simulations, but mm-hmm. she never uses the word divergent. Yes. And I was so confused And there was a, there's why. another moment of that, too, early in the book where yeah. she's, like, talking about it, but, like, not using the word divergent. And I was like, what? It, and I legitimately, because this is, they hadn't said the word divergent in the book up and, like, mm-hmm. through this point. And I was like, did she, like, decide to not? to like go away from divert. And it's like, no, that's clearly not eventually. But I thought it was so strange because Caleb at this point, or not, she's not keeping it a secret necessarily yeah. anymore. It's known that she is divert, at least to the people close to her or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's not like a major secret that she's divergent. And so I found it very frustrating that she's talking to her brother and just won't say that she's yeah. divergent. That was very strange. And I guess I, Unless the idea is that he literally wouldn't know what that means. But I, again, we, 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 cause later in the book, somebody it's brought up and, and, and they're talking about how I know some of you haven't even heard of divergence until today. And, but some people had heard of it and it's, yeah, it's complicated. I, I, again, we talked about this in the last one, but I like the movie's version in the first movie where it's this thing people are aware of. Yeah. It's kind of like, like a, a boogeyman yeah, yeah. thing or whatever. So in the both the book and the movie, uh, Tris and Peter eventually get into a fight while, yes. while they are and in Amity. Amity. And I liked the way that this played out in the movie so much better. Yeah. Uh, where he's like taunting her about her parents. And it's not about a hard drive that ends up being completely meaningless. Oh we talked about this at the end of the last one when they didn't bring that hard drive yeah. with them and it wasn't mentioned. I was like, I bet that means it doesn't matter. And lo and behold, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Yes, uh, I agree completely. I had the same note, uh, especially because, like I said, the, the drive ends up, she just destroys it. Yeah. Eventually when, when Erudite shows up because she doesn't want them to get it back. It's never mentioned again. There is some mention. So the whole reason she was keeping it, one of the reasons is revealed in this, that she was keeping it was because it's like the last record of her parents, which mm-hmm. which was very confusing to me yeah. to begin with, because I thought it was just the simulation. I, I data. thought it was the simulation data as like, well. It's like the program that ran yeah. the simulation for the dawn. I thought but they took it. it- to like be able to prove that yes, erudite did it, this exactly what i thought or like either prove or like use it to like reverse engineer like a, mm-hmm. a software like an app to like stop it or you know what i mean like i yeah. thought they were gonna do something with it and but no she says she wants it because it's like the record of her parents yeah. actions i'm like wait so I, it's, I read that and i was like is it is it like what so it has like all of the security camera footage or uh, something like maybe. it just made no sense and i was like what but then also and then again that's not even brought up again after she yeah. destroys it and then i feel like it's also implied later 
or at some other point in this book, I could have swore there was a, an implication that erudite also just had records. And of I mean, course they yeah, would. Of Why wouldn't they, they do? Like they had like their security footage and stuff yeah. of the attack and everything. And they're the they're the faction that keeps all keeps that stuff? everything. Yeah. I know. I just again the whole thing with the the hard drive was just just the clumsiest st- nothingness. Mm-hmm. And I I think the idea is like oh she's got to like get over this is a moment of her getting over and letting go of her parents like she's got to yeah. destroy this thing like I get kind of emotionally what they're going for but it just makes no sense narratively and it's just so cl- clumsy. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I appreciate them get rid of, getting rid of that because, yeah, in the in the book, that's why Peter takes it and that's why they fight. And I prefer him just taunting her about her mm-hmm. family being dead because he is an asshole. So I, I liked in the movie that when uh, Ariadite and the traitor Dauntless show up in Amity, we just see their extreme pacifism and neutrality just like immediately backfire on them. Yes. Which I feel like we don't really get in the book. Uh, I also thought that Peter just immediately ratting them out mm-hmm. worked so much better. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I had the same note. I have him immediately turn on them. He's like, hey, they're over, they're up here. Yeah. Uh, and Because he kicks off that whole action scene. Uh, in the book, they're just like, they try to blend in. Yes. They're just immediately discovered. Yeah, because of course they are. Because of course they are. And Tobias just starts shooting everybody. And I'm like, okay. Right. Like, what was the point of, like, hiding for, like, a second only yeah. to be immediate? It just felt like, it's like she didn't know what to do. She's like, so, like, oh, they try to hide. And... Okay, they're immediately discovered. It's like, well, what? Okay, so yeah, have Peter be like, hey, he like gives them up, and it's it makes it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, great change. I also like that in this scene. Uh, it, I think in the book it takes place at, later at night, maybe, um, but in the movie it takes place. It's it's light out, and maybe it does in the book too. I'm not sure, but they see what happens as they're running away. They see. Well, they know what happens to Peter because he yeah. gave them up, but they see Marcus get like captured inside. Yeah. He's like in the meeting room and he gets like rifle butted and arrested or whatever. And they see like the rest of the people that were with them get captured as they're running away in the book. It's so confusing. They're like running I, away yeah. and they hear gunshots or something. And then like all of a sudden it's just the four of them. And they're like, oh, I guess everybody else died. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And now it kind of works in the, like, it was dark and chaotic, or if it was dark, you know, like, we're Mm -hmm. running and it's gunfire. Like, we don't know what happened. We just ran and the four of us got away or whatever. It kind of works in that sense. But to me, based on the rest of the action scene writing in (laughs) this book, it felt less intentional and more indicative of Roth's clumsy action writing to me. Just like, what happened? They're okay. Now there's just four of them and the other ones are just, they they're maybe dead they're maybe not i don't i'm like well they're surely not dead like they wouldn't just randomly kill marcus and yeah these important characters like completely off off screen so to say it's just yeah this is a weird movie's version is way better yeah and i thought having them just as like escape by just getting on the train and kind of butting those two things closer together worked really well i don't remember too. what they did in the they get out of amity and like back through the fence and they're like then i think they hear the train and they're like okay let's get on the train oh so they make the the, the train is like the climax of the yes, action scene the train in the is the climax of the action scene in the movie yes, that's the how book, they, they get just away kind of like get away yeah and then find the train yeah no i agree yeah uh, i also like that tris starts the fight with the factionless on the train 
Oh, I'm mixed on this. So it feels way more indicative of what the book is going for, where there in the, there's this recurring thing in the book where it's it's implied that Triss is being very reckless. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, this is your book two of your YA uh, romance series. So, of course, the female lead has to be very reckless. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, was, I couldn't help but get big Bella in, yeah. in New Moon vibes or, or not new, whatever the second one is. Yeah, it's New Moon. Okay. But she's supposed to be very, supposedly being very reckless in the book because uh-huh. Tobias keeps criticizing her for mm-hmm. being very reckless. We'll mm-hmm. talk more about this later. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, she starts the fight with the the factionless on this train in mm-hmm. the movie. She like they're like it seems like things are going to calm down, and Tobias is like, "All right, let's all calm down." Well, let's and all, then let's all take a breath. Tris like punches a person or something, or pulls yeah. a a knife, or I don't remember what she does. But she starts she like starts the fight. Um, I will say that the movie kind of immediately drops the Triss being reckless threat. Like that doesn't continue in the movie, but I was like, Oh, okay. This is actually an instance of her. Like, like actually being reckless, like starting some, she started a fight with like 50 people. Like what the heck? (laughs) Um, again, it doesn't really go anywhere in the movie, but it's at least something uh, compared to what it does, what happens in the book. And in this scene, the movie actually motivates Caleb's turn back to Janine. Oh my God. Holy Holy cow. That it is. It is completely unmotivated, in my opinion, in the book. Yeah, like, it just it's comes just, out of it's nowhere. It's a plot twist for the sake of a plot it, twist. Absolutely. He's just surprised. He's working for Janine. I'm like, what? <laughs> I am what? surprised. I'm evil. Okay. Okay. I Literally to the point where I didn't believe it. And I was like, well, he's clearly a triple agent. Like, he's yeah. clearly Yeah, or working. he's like under a simulation or something. I assumed for sure that he was undercover. Like, he went back in to yeah. like, I want to work for you again, Janine. But he was really like snooping. And especially because we find out there's a line later in like after she's been talking to Caleb, I think Tobias mentions to her. Like Tobias is in there mm-hmm. with her. He mentions to her, we have some of some of our people on the inside got some information yeah. or something. I'm like, oh, it's Caleb. I was like, obviously it's Caleb. Like that's who he's talking about is Caleb. It's not, but it's not. It's and I'm like, not. what? It makes not. no sense. But the movie motivates this because during the scene, she starts this fight and they have to defend themselves. And Caleb ends up having to like beat a dude with a lead pipe. We don't yeah. know if to death or just to I, severe injury or it seemed like to, to, to at least pass out yeah probably to death um and he like clearly can't handle that yeah and he he and then tris ends up getting like tackled and he can't he can't do anything and i just felt like very clearly like she put him in this situation and he's not built for this and he's yeah. like, i can't do this yeah. and i was like oh okay i buy this it's so frustrating compared to the book where it's just like, oh, surprise, he's bad. I'm like, what? Okay. Uh, they do eventually get to uh, the factionless sector, um, which in the book they say that they have like multiple safe houses yes. around the city. Um, and what we see in the movie uh, is like this underground, like kind of like a, a grime punk looking. It's very cool. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. Looking. It's like multi-layered. Yeah. And there's like these pipes. Like, I, I feel like... like it's not a super unique. No. But it is a cool set piece. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought it was very cool. And it's similar-ish to what is described in the book, although the book is not, there's not nearly as much detail. It's not described nearly as cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I liked the way the factionless base or whatever looked in the movie a lot. Yeah. I liked that the movie uh, truncated a little bit the reveal of Evelyn being Tobias's quote-unquote dead mother yeah 
Yeah, and the book also does not, or uh, the movie also does not include the fact that we find out that Triss literally went to Tobias's mom's funeral, yeah. which again made her not knowing Tobias make even <laughs> less sense. Just, I, it just... Again, maybe he was very, I think he was supposed to be pretty young, like it's been years, like it's been, you know, so he was considerably younger, so maybe, but you would know his name, and she has yeah. no reaction when she finds out his name in the first book. No. It's just like, what is happening? <laughs> I loved uh, the little a little moment in the movie when they have dinner with his mom, uh, and they they kind of they get into an argument, and Tobias storms off, and Tris goes after him, and then Caleb just just like awkwardly sitting there and is like, "This food is great." Yes, that was a fun scene. He's like, "Really tasty, good food," and she's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's a subtle change of when they're leaving to go to Candor. Uh, Caleb splits off and he's going to go um, his own way. And in the book, it's he's he says like uh, there, well, there's another character named Susan who's there who he's like friends yeah. slash wants so to like date a, a friend of theirs and yeah. an abnegation. Yeah. And he's like, oh, Susan wants to go back to abnegation and I'm going to go with her yeah. or whatever. And they're like, OK, fine. And it, but in the movie, they change it where he's like he actually like voices hesitancy. He's like. I'm not cut out for this whole revolution thing. Like, mm -hmm. and then she's like, well, what are you going to do? He's like, well, maybe I'll go back to abnegation. He says, maybe. And it's like, again, I can just already buy him rejoining erudite, like a yeah. lot more than yes. I ever could have in the yes. book. It's not yeah. even close. And his, his speech is like, you know, maybe a little on the nose, Yeah, but it worked so much better to motivate his character choices and his heel yes. turn. Yes, absolutely. Um, so the factionless, uh, we mentioned this in our Divergent episode, the factionless are barely in the first movie. Yes. Um, but I thought that the lore at least was a little more consistent across. Mm -hmm. Veronica's lore in the books, her factionless lore is inconsistent. Yes. In the first book, she tells us that they do like the shit jobs that nobody wants. Mm -hmm. Like they do like the, the cleaning and the sewers and whatever, I guess. And And she says that like, uh, we we provide them with with food and housing and whatever, but it's like barely enough to live on. But then now, in this book, it seems more like they were like just starving and homeless, without like prior to abnegation giving them charity. I must have missed that. So like, which is it? Interesting. Like, are they are they incredibly incredibly poor? Or do they literally have nothing? Do you see what I'm saying? I actually don't, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Because to me, it's it's a little more complicated because the lore we get in the first book is not accurate. Yeah. Because it's just Triss's perception of what the factionless are. We don't actually know for sure what their whole deal is, but we actually find out they're not as destitute as anybody thought there is some weird implication of like because and even in the movie they talk about like caleb is like well we were giving you food and clothes and I'm like well, okay but did they need it it doesn't seem like they needed it in the movie it seemed like they were fine like they had their yeah. own thriving i don't know like like you know economic system and everything going on it seemed like they had their whole thriving little ecosystem so i didn't even know how much they needed the other factions like support necessarily but yeah, I, I, maybe, I, guess, like, I don't know. I guess my question about the factionless within the world of the books is that, like, I feel like initially 
were told that when you're factionless, you go and you live like on the outskirts of society, but you still like have like a job yeah, and yeah, yeah. somewhere to live. You're just like you're like at the way bottom of mm-hmm. the totem pole. Mm-hmm. But then later on, it seems more like when you become factionless, you're oh, just abandoned like literally entirely. completely. I see what you're saying. Yeah. No. I, OK. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And then that is that, that does seem a little like to me, there's a distinction there. No, no, there definitely is. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because I definitely initially in the first book got the the idea that, yeah, they're like trash collectors and, yeah. and, and, and janitors like maintenance and workers, maintenance workers and, and, and whatever like yeah they consider like the you know low skill yeah <laughs> whatever jobs um and yeah and then but and then later it does feel like oh no actually they're literally like they don't do anything we just give them food or something like yeah. they don't do any job yeah i don't, I don't know, know. Yeah, anyway, I'm not sure either. um that was just the thing that like annoyed me uh, I also have to I have to read another another Veronica line here real quick because this also cracked me up. Um, when they're this is also when they're like in like all gathered together mm-hmm. and they're like having a meal together and Triss is like the factionless are supposed to be scattered, but they're together like a faction. Yep. <laughs> okay. Somebody explain to this woman what a Lord. community is. <laughs> And like I get it. I get it. I get it. But spelled out, it's so silly. Yeah. A uh, little change, but I like in the movie Christina not knowing what happened to Will, where in, in the book she knows that he's dead, mm-hmm. but she doesn't know like what happened to him. She just knows that he's dead. Whereas in the movie, uh she's like, "Hey, she talks when she meets Trish, she's like, "Oh my gosh, hey, how are you? Have you do you know what happened to Will? Have you seen Will or whatever?" And uh, it, it amplifies the lie that Tris has to tell, but also I think it just makes more sense because like, how would Christina know what yeah. happened to Will? Yeah. Like he got killed in this shootout. Like they, they had to run away and hi- like, I just don't know necessarily how she would even be aware that Will was dead. She would, she would know he's missing obviously, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know how she would know he was dead necessarily. So I thought it just made sense for her to be like, I don't, I don't know what happened to him. And then, and then the reveal uh, uh, that, that Tris killed him. Yeah. Uh, the movie does like a little bit of moving things around here that I thought made a lot of sense. In the book, Tris lies to Christina about Will like immediately after finding out that she's going to have to take truth serum, mm. which is just like a catastrophically bad idea. I didn't remember that. I feel that like. Order of events. Um, but the movie just moves the lie to before she finds out about the truth serum. Which definitely, yeah. Definitely makes yeah. more sense that you would tell that like that. Yeah. I like the change that candor is just going to turn them into whatever the council is, is what they call it, which I assume is just like a collection of leaders from mm-hmm. the different factions uh, to be tried for their supposed crimes. Uh, but Tobias is like, look, if you do that, we're and both of them are like, if you do that, we're going to die. There's Janine's just going to kill us. And so Tobias talks them into into trying them there uh, by appealing to to Jack's sense of supreme justice or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, you're candor. Wouldn't you be the best people to to try us or whatever. And Jack's like, well, we would obviously. Yeah. And, he, and then, so he talks him into doing the truth serum thing. And I like that. It's Tobias that kind of pushes towards uh-huh. that. And then Tris being like, I actually really don't want to do that. I <laughs> just add yeah. some tension there that I enjoyed. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, also though, raising the question again of what does candor do? They law, but they lawyer, <laughs> but did you see Jack's office? He's clearly a lawyer. 
But he's got his suit and he's got his his stack of Dauntless uh, tries their own people. Yes. And I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I, I couldn't pretend to <laughs> know. Are you kidding? Do? I have no idea. Uh in the questioning scene in the movie, I liked the kind of trajectory of the questioning a lot more. Um I like I liked that they asked Triss like if she has ever harmed anyone of her own faction um rather than asking her like what her deepest regrets are. I just thought that was a little hokey in the book. Yeah. I I didn't mind it because Christina set that up in the first book. I think I thought she did where she says they ask you Maybe I'm making that up, but I could have swore or maybe she tells her in this book. I didn't mind that, like, they end every one of these things by saying, like, what's your deepest regret? I thought that kind of fit with, like, the fat weird, like, they, they make you expose. I thought Christina in the first book said that when you do this, they make you expose, like, your biggest secret. So that way, like, there is no more secret. Like, everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I was I okay with that, but I do think it works good in the movie the way they handled it, for sure. So, big one. The movie significantly shaves down the number of characters we're expected to keep track of, especially after we join up with the remaining Dauntless mm-hmm. in the book. It's so many characters. Oh my god! It, it and they just keep introducing new characters too. Like we get we get the characters from book one, and then they're like, "And here's more characters, and here's more, yes, and here's more, yeah." Because the book, like you said, has tons of minor characters from book one that we that I barely remembered to begin with. Yeah. And then it's like, surprise, here's eight more characters and they all have super boring generic names. There's just like Marlene and Shauna and Zeke. And and then on top of that, they have not particularly in, they're not like strikingly interesting characters like they yeah. don't have. Yeah. A lot of them are very like I thought Shauna and Lynn were very similar. Yeah. Like I like I. Most and of the time I would couldn't tell them apart. So often they're like the other part of it is like, okay, the half of them are dating half yes. of them. And then like the other half are related. And I trying to keep track of who was related to who or dating who and why each person cared about another random minor character that I didn't care about. Like, like, cause a thing would happen and like, like, like the suicide scene with Marlene. And then I got to figure out, okay, who liked Mar- who cared about Marlene? Yeah. Okay. So, so Lynn liked Mar cared about Marlene and Uriah didn't did or didn't. I don't, I think they were dating. So yes. Yeah. yeah, Uriah did care about Marlene. No, Uriah liked Lynn, didn't he? No, no, was it Marlene? Was he, it was Marlene and okay. Uriah were dating, but I think Lynn liked Marlene. Yeah, well spoilers. We'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. But and, and so there's just this very complicated like web of like, okay, mm-hmm. but who and then because then you also have to because then it, it gets even more convoluted by like when Triss like offend not even offends somebody, but like Something she does pisses somebody off. I'm like, okay, now this person's mad at her. Why are they mad at her? Oh, they're mad at her because she, she was did something or said something or whatever with some other character. And I just, I couldn't be bothered yeah. <laughs> to keep track of all of these random characters. If any of them were interesting, maybe. But I just, I, Uriah is like the most interesting of the minor characters and he's not even that interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just like, ugh. God, I hated it so much. I was really more than fine with skipping the whole plot point in the book where all of the Dauntless mock Tobias for being afraid of his abusive father. 
And yes. then uh, in order to stop them from doing that, Tobias, like, beats Strags Marcus in with in front of everybody belt. and beats him. Yeah. yeah. It's such a weird well, out-of-nowhere like, scene. What are we doing? I was like, oh, okay. All right. And it is, like, the whole, like, I get where she's going for because the whole thing is, like, he wants to become a dauntless leader. He needs yeah. to become a dauntless leader so that he can convince them to team up with the faction list to do right. the blah, 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 So blah, he blah. has to prove himself. So he has to prove himself, but it is, it's just like, just, okay, it's the way he proves himself is beating his dad with a belt in front of everybody. It seems weird. Yeah. Seems seems pretty, very strange. Pretty strange. It seems like they could have done, like, he could have been, there could have been some thing that was like a, a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. That, like, he, he has to, like, like i don't want to say challenge him to a duel but something like that you know what i mean like you could have yeah. come up with something pistols at dawn something like that that is like an honor thing like an uh-huh. honor culture thing that isn't just like randomly dragging him in front of it. like it's just yeah. such a strange no I, I think something a little more formal would have worked because dauntless is surely an honor culture yes well you clearly yeah yeah and so i think and then, and then you have this fun interaction where marcus is like well i'm not dauntless i don't I don't, I don't abide by your rules or whatever. And then, and then you could, you, there yeah. could be some drama and you could figure out this way to spin it as is. It just kind of comes out of nowhere. You're like, Tobias is beating the shit out of yeah. his dad. What? Okay, and it's just right. kind of a horrifying yeah. scene. Yeah. It's just like, and I don't feel good about it. I don't think yeah. you're supposed to feel good about it. I don't think like, I don't I think don't you're think supposed so. to, I don't think it's like, supposed to be don't, cathartic. We don't like Marcus, No, but the scene definitely does not come off as, as cathartic. No. Like you said. And I think that's the problem. Whereas if it had been like a more, you know, all the issues with on our culture side, if it had been like a more formalized yeah. thing, it would have maybe given some catharsis to like that relationship as is. It's just like, okay, now Tobias is the bully. Cool. Like, what? Yeah. great. Now he's a, an asshole. Like what? I, yeah. It's ugh, not, a, not a fan. So then we get to the actual testing of Triss in the movie. And it's not really testing so much. She's got to unlock the, the MacGuffin. Well, we're not, we're not there yet. This sorry, is just sorry. The first Tris time is, that we see Tris is not there yet. We yeah. see, yes, yeah, sorry. We, we see, see what Janine is up to. What Janine is up to, which is using Divergent to try to unlock this box, and the uh, we see one of these, uh, one of the Divergent hooked up this machine, and I thought it was a pretty cool, yeah, creepy thing. Yeah, like these snaky, like tentacle things, like we said. Yeah, they like dangle down and then the the divergent, the person hooked up to him like hangs in midair. And we'll talk more about it later when Tris gets in it, which I thought was interesting. Kind of mm-hmm. made me laugh, but uh because it goes back to something we talked about in the last episode or in the, you know, the divergent episode. Um but yeah, I thought these are cool. Is uh, yeah. in the book all the testing is she's just kind of like unlike, It's just like normal like One of them's like an MRI science yeah. hospital medical stuff. Yeah. Um yeah, but I, I thought like Janine murdering her way through divergence to try to open this box was yeah. an, an interesting uh villain arc yeah, for yeah. her. I thought it worked. I enjoyed it. Um we go uh like back to they're still in yeah, they're still in Candor at this point. Yes. Um and Triss is having a conversation with Uriah on the rooftop, which I thought worked like that worked better for me as an emotional beat than the scene from the book where Triss like goes into the 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 chamber the where chamber. they do this, this, the truth yeah test, the I truth think. testing room and like throws the chair out the window yeah i did miss her throwing the chair out the window i thought that was funny but yeah 
that whole scene was just kind of like like I understood what Veronica Roth was trying to do in that scene it just didn't it didn't it didn't do anything for me that's fair uh, that's fair I didn't the scene I didn't really miss it overall um I just I don't know I liked I thought it was funny that she just throws a chair out the <laughs> what it doesn't really matter yeah it doesn't matter but I did like that scene between uh her and Uriah on the roof and I thought um I liked the little detail, which I don't remember anything like this in the book where they're having a conversation. It's very brief uh, because stuff pops off immediately. But uh, Uriah mentions that he imagines he thinks sometimes when he he likes to come up there and look. I guess he's only been there for a little bit because he's dauntless, Mm -hmm. but he's been likes to come up there and look out at the city. And he he kind of thinks that sometimes he feels like he can see lights beyond the walls. Yeah, though he knows there's nothing out there. Uh, and I thought that was a fun little hint mm-hmm. tease towards where <laughs> the big reveal at the end. <laughs> so then the big attack happens. Uh, the Dauntless and Ariadite show up and start uh, serum needling everybody. Although it seems like, and that was the thing that I had an issue, a little bit of an issue in the movie. It seems like they're shooting bullets at them. Yeah, they look like bullets, but then they're like these little, like, the Wikipedia article called them discs. Yes. But they kind of look like BBs. They, kind they're kind of? of discs in the in the movie. In the yeah. book, they're described as a, like a disc, but with a giant needle attached to yes. it. Basically, like a like a what is the word? Um, what is the? Uh, there's a word for the little like a tranquilizer dart, uh, similar-ish yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, uh, it doesn't have like the big feathers on the back or whatever, but it, it's a thing where you shoot a dart and it injects like a mm-hmm. thing into a person. In this instance, is injecting like serum, uh, simulation serum into people, and. Uh, so they but they but when they're shooting at them on the roof, it's one, it sounds like gun gunfire. But yes. two, when she shuts the door, it, it absolutely looks, like, bullet looks like bullets. I don't know. Like there's bullet holes in the door, which makes no sense for these little dart things. The only thing I can think is that maybe they have both somehow. Yeah, like maybe they, they have, switched they once see. they got inside. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's the only thing that makes any sense. But they didn't switch because they shoot Uriah with one on the roof because right. he gets winged and we thought he got shot. And then we realize, oh, it was the. The tranquilizer thing or the simulation dart thing. But anyways, so they run inside and they burst through the door and just like mow everybody down. And it seems, again, initially like they just literally just murdered all these people. But then Tris wakes up and everybody on the stairs is still knocked out. But she realizes that she feels this little thing on her back and she has this Mm -hmm. little this little dart in her. And there's a similar moment that is in both the book and the movie where she's like trying to help people. They take place in different places. Originally, she's on the first floor when this all goes down and she goes up to get people. They switched it. So she's on the top floor and goes down. And in the book, she's like looking around for like other divergent that are awake or whatever to try to help them. And she finds a little girl who's like laying on the ground pretending to be asleep or pretending to be knocked out by the, the, the simulation serum and uh she's like stepping on everybody's hands to yeah. see <laughs> anyways it's a similar scene and she ends up like telling this girl to, like run and hide uh but the little girl in this movie in the movie scene like kind of just wanders in like mom what is happening and she got hit with the dart too and i thought it was a sweet little scene because like Tris is like see i got one too and i thought mm-hmm. it just worked really well and i like that the, this little kid is not like a genius who knows to play dead or you know not dead but like knows <laughs> yeah to like, she's like she's little she's little yeah. so it makes sense that she's just kind of stumbling around like not knowing what to do uh, and then i also like having her be there at the scene eric ends up she ends up getting caught her and uriah try to go get some weapons or whatever but they end up getting caught by eric and they get drug 
to this room. And it's similar in the book where they like grab them because they they know they're divergent, obviously, because they're not yeah. knocked out by the they're like rounding them all. They're up. rounding them up to take them, some of them to uh, Janine. And in the book and in the movie, they they like execute. They say we don't need all of them and they kill some people in the I liked having the little girl that they established already be one of the people they round up in yeah. the book. She's not there. Yeah. She's, she gets away. We do see her later. Mm -hmm. so she seems to be fine, but I felt like it just kind of upped the stakes of that scene a little bit. Cause it's a character we have some, I don't want to say attachment to, but you know, it's like we've, we've had seen Tris have an exchange mm -hmm. with this character and it seems like Eric is going to shoot her in the head or not seems like he is. Uh, and I thought that was I was like, are they going to do it? Because in the book, Eric murders like an 11 year old kid, yeah, like a little boy uh, who is divergent. And he says, like, you're not you're not fully developed till your your brain isn't fully developed to your whatever age. So mm -hmm. you're useless or whatever. And just kills this kid in the movie. He kills some random older guy uh, and does it. But then he walks over to the little girl and I was like, oh, no, are they? I thought for sure they were going to, like, just have her sub in. Yeah. For the little boy in the book who we didn't really know who it was or whatever, just to give it more <laughs> impact. And I was like, whew, okay. Didn't murder the little girl. Uh I don't know if we ever know what happens to her, if we see her again later or not, but I, I mean it shit just pops off because yeah. they show up and save. I'm sure she's fine. I because yeah. after this they get I wouldn't be surprised if we see her somewhere really briefly at the end. Yeah. Like at the very end yeah. when everybody's going towards the wall. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. So I have mixed feelings. So during the scene there, they have this device, which is not in the book. Mm -hmm. That is this little scanner that they point at people and it goes bloop and it goes 20% divergent. Yeah. 50% divergent, whatever. I have mixed feelings on this. It feels a bit cheap and easy, similar to mm -hmm. the, the box, the magic yes. MacGuffin yeah, yeah, box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does work well to get across what the movie is doing here. And it just makes things easier to digest. And, and I think the most importantly, it's not like the book had a super well thought out and meticulously no. crafted concept of what like the divergent are and how that works anyways. So f I'm fine with this yeah. weird little device. That's uh, the, like, the, yeah, the, the device itself is silly. Like it looks silly. It, yeah, and, it's it's a know. little overly complicated. I think for what mm -hmm. it's doing, you know, it feels a little like over design. Like, yeah, we need it to be super weird because it's like this 3D graphic pop up thing that spins, <laughs> yeah. and it just seems like they what 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 you would do is they just have a little like like a like a neck gun. scanner, yeah. like a scanner. They would have something very simple you would think to do this, but whatever. It, it, it's it's an interesting design mm -hmm. if it is feel a little over designed. Yeah. But, but yeah. also like similar again to the box. You know, it's not the most elegant, it's not the most clever thing in the world, but it's so much more digestible. Yeah, it's like okay, than yeah. What the book gives us. Sure. Cuz the book I was so confused in that whole like part where he's like, well, we don't need everybody, but we only need two. But then later on when they were talking about it, it seemed like it was something different. I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't, he says we only need two. I don't know why they only need two. Yeah. It seems like they would need as many as, I don't know. Right. Like what? Well, and it, it seems to me that if, if Janine actually wants to learn about divergence yeah. and figure out how to defeat them, she would want as many test subjects yeah. as possible. And you would think you would want 
like little kids who yeah. aren't fully developed. That yeah. would actually seem like it would be a useful thing for yeah. learning like, okay, well, how does it develop? What is going on here? So yeah, it, I, so again, it's cheap and simple and like a kind of a, like a cop out, like uh, these people are not enough divergent for the box to open. It's like, okay, like it's tacky, but or it's not even tacky. It's just kind of like, ugh, whatever. But again, it 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 works fine for what mm-hmm. the movie's doing, and it it streamlines something that is convoluted and not well explained or explored in the book anyway. So it's like, okay, I'm I'm okay with it. So as we mentioned, Tris starts running around helping everybody, trying to help people and find and save people that are divergent and like get them to safety or whatever, even though she knows like the Dauntless and the Erudite, or well, specifically the, the Erudite Dauntless, the traitor Dauntless mm-hmm. are running around inside. And if she gets caught, she could get killed. After he Tobias rescues her, and it turns out, you know, they're they got warned in the book, they got warned by like Will's older sister who defected from Ariadite in the movie. They just I don't remember how they show up. They just whatever they oh. they stage a resistance and, and and are able to defeat the Dauntless that were in there. And then in the book, Triss and Tobias have this conversation where he gets very mad at her f- yeah. for, for like helping during the attack. He's like, well, where did she's like, well, Eric almost killed me. And he's like, well, where did that happen? And she's like, well, by the elevators, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, weren't you shot in the lobby? Or didn't you get, like, knocked out in the lobby? And she goes, yeah. And then I went and blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, very upset. Yeah, he's, like, mad at her. That she didn't just, he's like, why didn't you just run away? And I'm like, wait, what about her makes you think she would do that? He's, like, chastising her for being reckless. But I'm like, I don't think what she did was that. I mean, it's true. It's, like. (laughs) <laughs> probably not what i would do because i'm not a super brave per like but i mean i don't know maybe I w- I mean, it's just like it's not even that re- it's not like she i don't know she was like oh my god we're under attack i gotta do something and tries yeah. to help like it's a very yeah. reasonable response like, like this this element in the book drove me absolutely insane because everyone keeps saying that Triss is being reckless and somebody says at one point that she's been like acting psychotic. Yeah. But I almost never felt like she was outwardly acting that much different than she did in the first book. I didn't think so either. And they're dauntless. That's the whole thing. Like, yeah, I agree. I was like, well, you were attracted to her because she was like brave and, you know, fearless and blah, 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 all these things. Like it just, and I get what we're doing is like, the idea, you know, he's now he wants to protect her because he cares about her and all that sort of stuff. But it, it just doesn't add up because, no. again, if she were being particular, which is why I liked the moment in the train where she like starts a fight yeah, with all these people. It's like, and that's actually reckless yes. because she was putting herself and them in danger for no for reason. No reason, yeah. This is not reckless. No, no, not at all. This is it's dangerous, but yeah. that is different than than like reckless. I, I drove me crazy, and I was really glad the movie cut that all out. I was like, this just makes no sense. Movie also cuts this weird, and I had such a hard time with this. There's several scenes in a row here where I felt like people were having conversations that weren't based around the events that I had just read take place in the book that we were reading. (laughs) And I was like, what is happening? There's this argument between Tris, Jack, and Tobias where they're having this conversation about what were the Dauntless doing here? They're like trying to figure it out. The traitor Dauntless. Yes, the traitor Dauntless. Like, what were they doing here? What was their plan? We don't know what they were doing here. And I'm like, well, yeah, we do. And specifically, Triss knows because Eric explicitly tells her yes. what they're doing there. Yes. He's like, as you said, we got to take two Divergent back to Erudite for testing, and we're going to kill the rest of them. They don't know what, I guess they don't know their entire plan for being there, but that is enough to know what they were there for. 
and and also Candor has Eric captive in the book mm-hmm. and question him with truth serum. Mm-hmm. Why is there any and, and they do I say get, in the book like, oh, he doesn't know that much about the plan, but he knows why he they knows were there. enough. Yeah, he knows for them en- to understand the point of them breaking in. Yeah, yeah, he have he would have to know enough yeah. of that in order otherwise he couldn't do what he was doing there. It makes no sense, and they're like creating this drama and this tension around like the mystery of what they were doing there, and I'm like. It's we not a know mystery. What they were doing there. It was so frustrating. And then in the scene after that, they're then having this conversation about like what to do about it and and all this sort of stuff. And he at one point at the towards the end of the conversation, he's like, "Look, we, we need to maybe they came in, it wasn't that violent. Uh obviously they didn't kill most of us, so maybe we can like talk to them, Erudite, yeah. and like figure out yeah. something. Have a parlay." And and Triss is like, what? What do you mean it wasn't violent? And he responds by saying, like, I can't launch an attack based on a little girl's speculation. But I went back today as we were doing these notes and reread. Nobody had suggested attacking anyone. Yeah. Up until him that point of him saying that, Triss has been arguing that the erudite, uh, the dauntless people are dangerous, like, and mm-hmm, that they're they're mm-hmm. they have it out for the divergent. But she hasn't been like, we have to go get them. We have to mur-. like, she's not like calling for war or whatever necessarily. And Jack like refuses to acknowledge that the dauntless and erudite team are even dangerous, let alone. And, and he calls it a peaceful invasion. Like I said, he's just like an idiot. I yeah. don't. I, I don't. I don't know. This whole section yes, made me so wonder because we know I mentioned in the prequel that there were draft inconsistencies in this book mm-hmm. when it got published um, because the publishing team author, right. they didn't go back and do a check and do like a specific check for draft inconsistencies. And I wonder if this was one of those places, like maybe there was a different draft where Triss was, was trying to convince like them to, to, yeah. to, to move on Erudite and, and then that got taken out, but yeah, this didn't but get this taken out. Get ta- yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. It felt wild to me because you were talking about that. And I was like, but it seems so weird to me because th- this particular scene it, I, I under, I'd understand those draft inconsistencies more, you know, if they're like things further apart. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not saying it can't happen. And but like this is stuff. It's like over the course of like a handful of pages. There's like it feels like diff, like we're having multiple different conversations about events that happened yeah. differently than I, this was very strange and it was very frustrating for me to read. I don't know. Uh, I and I. <laughs> Honestly, having read this book now, I feel bad for the editing team. Yeah. Because I could not imagine having to edit something like this and to keep track of all of these details and all of the characters and the plot points. And yeah, it would have been tough for sure. It would have been definitely an ordeal. But yeah, I I, I liked that the movie made Jack not quite as much of an idiot. Like he's, yeah. he he seems like a, a guy who's who's loyal to his faction and has like eccentricities related to the fact that he's right. candor. But he doesn't seem like a complete idiot. Right? Like yeah. He does no, in the, the book, book he was just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> just like a peaceful invasion. What are you talking they, about? They shot an eleven-year-old in your, the head. They came into your home. And murdered a child. Yeah. What are you and talking about? It's never revealed that Jack is like secretly covering. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it'd be one thing if like 
oh, it's revealed Jack is actually like he like on he's the in Janine's pocket or, or something. something. Yes. Yeah, that would be one thing to like. He's trying to like paper over this and try to like yeah, but that's not the case. He's just an idiot. Like apparently yeah. just an idiot, and it, <laughs> like I, I, it's wild. So when we find out um, in the book that Peter is back with Janine. Uh, there's a little moment where Tris is like, I wonder how he got this like top job um, working as her like personal bodyguard or yeah. whatever. And I don't think the book ever actually answers that. I don't that. think so. No, he's just with. He but the work. movie answers it. Yeah, I thought um, this was good. Yeah. And we find out that uh, Peter is the one who helps Janine come up with the plan for the uh, the suicides. Yeah. To flush Tris I will out. say I, that it muddies things a bit because he does get the face turn and it's not a full face turn. It's a very selfish, like, yeah, it is, a, but he does become like a fun jokey companion at the end. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, which is a little weird for a guy who came up with the plan of like, have three people kill themselves every day. Now, I, like we said, we don't know for sure. He came up with that specific plan. What he right. did in the movie that we saw is he said, you got to hit her where it hurts her, which is like she's very like her heart or something like yeah. that. Like she's very selfless. Exploit the abnegation. Yes, in exploit her. the abnegation in her. We don't know if he comes up with this specific plan. True. <laughs> but either way. That could have been somebody else's brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so another this felt like it had to be in a, a draft inconsistency or something because this drove me nuts. And the movie corrects oh my God, this. We stopped the movie and talked about this for like 10 minutes. It, well, because it drove me insane. <laughs> so in the book, when the, when the attack happens, I'm going to try to get this as quick as possible. But when the attack happens on Candor, they specifically mention that um, she gets hit with the darts mm -hmm. or the, everybody gets hit with the darts. But they also shoot these gas canisters that yes. are like and she sees those like this mist in the air that like dissipates. And, 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 and she thinks that's actually what knocks everybody out or whatever, something like that. And but we don't know exactly what was going on there initially. In the movie, they there's no gas canisters. They just shoot everybody with the little darts or whatever. And then they, which and I'll explain why that's better. Um, and uh, I also like in the movie they have this thing where in the book they just take the darts out immediately, mm -hmm. and apparently the serum from the darts is just in them now forever, I guess or whatever. I guess. Whereas in the in the movie, the dart being in them, the dart has the transmitter. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be in them and they can't remove them because apparently it has some tech that like wraps around like the nearest artery. And if they remove them, it will like they'll bleed to death, essentially, yeah. Yeah. which I thought was clever. That is not at all in the in the book. But there's this nonsense in the book where they explain. And I, I thought I was going crazy because the, it makes no sense with what happens with events later. They explain that the gas that there's two parts to the simulation like inducing or whatever mm -hmm. there is a let me see if i can find it there's the transmitter and then there's the uh the thing the serum that induces the simulation mm -hmm. it's two separate parts and and they're having a discussion after the invasion and tobias says um they're they're trying to figure out like what what was going on and Tobias says, my guess is that the needle injected you with a transmitter and the gas was an aerosol version of the liquid that alters the brain. Meaning that the gas cans they shot were pivotal or were an important half of what was needed to induce the simulation. This right. transmitter needs to be there. And that's what the thing they shot and that injected into them. And it's the special transmitter that injected into them that... um 
that doesn't it doesn't like expire. break down or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So they can do multiple simulations. But the aerosol can. Now, I will give the book this. This is Tobias's kind of like speculation, but they never say, no, that's not the case. It seems mm-hmm. I, I'm to think we're supposed to assume that is what happened. Because otherwise, they make a point of the gas in the aerosol during the attack. They, she makes a big point of it. So I'm like, that has to be important. But then, if that's the case, how do they trigger the simulations on people re- remotely later? So, like, when they're in the Dauntless HQ later and Christina and that or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, when, the, when the three people go to com- kill themselves, they couldn't, they would need the gas half in order to induce the simulation. Yeah, you would think. That's what was explained in the yes. book, but they do not do that. No. And it drove me nuts because I was like, how <laughs> did you forget the rules you laid out in your own book? And now, again, the only possible out for this is that Tobias was wrong. I guess you could say that. Yeah. But if maybe uh, if he was wrong, but then it's never gone back and yes, addressed. No. And like, if you were going to have him be wrong anyway, why would you even put include that in that? there? Yeah. It's just a weird thing to include. And if, like also the, the, the aerosol spray being a, 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 a version of the serum makes sense because that's what knocks everybody out. But it doesn't knock the divergence out because yes. they don't go into the simulation. Yes. So it has to be that. Yes. But then they don't need that later. They don't need that later. It makes no sense. It drove me nuts. And so when the <laughs> movie, again, it's a little thing. It's whatever. And, it, and you know, I normally little plot holes like that. It's like whatever. But the fact that they so explicitly go into detail about how this thing works mm-hmm. and then that's not how it works later. I was like, what are you doing? I, I was like, I don't know how an editor, I, it's, it's wild. But unless I am missing something completely, but I, I went back and read it again because I was like, it was making me go crazy. And the movie just fixes all that by just having the, uh, the, the actual disc that has been embedded in their arm, that's the transmitter. And when it hit them, it injected the serum, I think is the implication yeah. of what's going on. So there's no gas cans or anything like that. And that way it works. And that also makes sense because then they're they're susceptible as long as and that's why they have the thing where they can't take them out because they're susceptible to being simulated or being put under simulation as long as the thing is in their body yes. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I thought that it's so it much, works. It works so much better. And the better. fact that they changed it makes me think that whoever was writing the script was what this yeah. doesn't make any sense. This mm-hmm. makes no sense. <laughs> and somebody <laughs> decided they needed to fix it. <laughs> Anyways, it drove me crazy. Uh, they also skipped the whole scene where Jack parlays with Max. We mentioned this, that Jack is like, Gosh. well, we can go talk to Erudite. Yeah. And so Max, who is the leader of Dauntless, technically, yeah, he's, he's actually above Eric. Yeah, he's the leader of, of the Dauntless. Uh, the traitor yeah, Dauntless. The but traitor he, was, Dauntless. he was the leader yes. of the Dauntless, period, yes, yes, yes. Pre- uh, in the previously. Uh, and Eric was actually, like, under him, technically, I think. And he's in the movie. He's uh, 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 Mackay Pfeiffer plays him, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, but anyways, so they, they go and they have, like, a meeting. And... Uh, this scene, there's so much wrong with this scene that I had issues with. But the, one of the big ones is that Lynn is there, like a handful of them go. It's like Lynn, Tobias, Tris. Yeah, they go to like spy. Somebody else. And listen to what they're saying. Like Shauna or somebody like that. Um, and they go to like listen because they they don't want to do. They're like, no, don't go talk to him. You're not going to get a, yeah. whatever. And so they go and listen. And then while they're there, Lynn just in the, at the end of the meeting just climbs up onto the. They're like underneath the bridge. And he like climbs up onto the top of the bridge and just shoots Max in the chest. And I think kills him. We don't think we see him again after that. 
Maybe we do. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, he's I in the movie. No, like, I, think, was, I think she does kill him. I think she does. I yeah. think she does. And just shoots him. And I was like, look, I feel like I barely know Lynn, but where did that? Yeah, what was the point? What was the motivation? And like, I, he didn't like say anything that I thought would particularly like instigate that. Yeah, we knew nothing about Lynn that would make her want to no. do that. I was like, what? Like, she's 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 dauntless. So like, whatever. But she didn't. She didn't seem blood. Like w w at the end of the book, when Tori kills. Spoilers, Janine. We understand why, because yeah. Janine was responsible for Tori's brother being yeah, murdered. Yeah, Tori's out for blood. And, we and, get that. And Lynn has, I believe, one of her family members might have been one of the people that died. Maybe the suicide. Mar oh, Marlene. Is, was that it before? No, that's after this. Yeah, that hasn't happened that yet. That hasn't happened book. yet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then I don't know. Because I was thinking, <laughs> I don't know. Marlene. But yeah, no, that hasn't happened yet. So I don't, we don't know. She just, I was like, that seems completely out of nowhere. And my speculation was that maybe in an earlier draft of this book, that was Triss. Yeah. And this was an actual reckless thing yes, that she was doing. Yes, an actual reckless act. And then when, uh, when Veronica rewrote, because in the end of this, she has a thing about how she rewrote parts, especially parts of the early part of this to have Triss deal with like, the trauma of the last book more. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if the whole PTSD gun thing got added in later. Yeah. But she wanted to keep this scene in still. She just swapped and so the she names just out. swapped it to Lynn. Because then what happens is that Triss runs off. She thinks she knows in this scene in the book, she knows that because um, Max is, is like relaying messaging from Janine and so Triss realizes that Janine has to be here somewhere yeah and because she has to be close within like a mile or whatever and she somehow figures out where she must be in some certain building and so she tries to run and find Janine and and Tobias follows after her and then Tobias gets really mad at her about being super reckless for like trying to find Janine, which I guess it's a little reckless, but it's, it's a little not more like, reckless than the last example, but, but it's still not but it's that, still like within the yeah. like reasonable She's like, oh maybe we can find janine maybe we can end this whole yeah. thing like it's a very reasonable yeah. thing and you know because they're like well she wouldn't have like a ton of security probably with her and we she, when they see her she only has like i think it's peter and one other person mm -hmm. maybe so there's a chance they could have gotten to janine and you know arrested her killed her whatever yeah for sure and so that's all I can think. And then he he chastises her for being super reckless. And I'm wondering if maybe that's what happened here is that originally Trish kills Max, Max and then yeah. goes after Janine or something like that. And we just got rewritten because we can't have Trish use a gun. I have no idea. Complete speculation. But it just <laughs> felt so weird to me in the book that I thought something else had to be going on. Also, as we mentioned, Jack is an idiot. Oh he God, agrees so to the erudite terms, and it just makes no sense. Um, because in the in the movie, I like it a lot. Jack is like, yeah, no. After the attack, he's like, oh, clearly erudite is yeah corrupt and evil, and we will help you. Basically, it's basically. like he's like, we'll we'll help you, and they realize they need more help, so they're gonna go get the factionalists or whatever, and that's where we end that in the movie. In the book, Jack is basically like, "No, we're gonna turn you guys yeah, all over." We're to gonna everything. we're gonna agree to their terms. Every single one of their terms. Yeah, and I <sighs> really just <laughs> so the terms that they give Jack are uh, that he's gonna turn over all the divergents. Yes, and he's gonna uh, release Eric to them, and he's also going to provide them with a list of everyone in Candor who did not get a needle implant. Yeah. 
And it drove me absolutely batshit insane because I felt like he was not at all concerned enough about the fact that Erudite wanted to know who did not get this needle implant. Yeah. Like that, that would be concerning to yeah. me yeah. as the leader of a group of people. I and mean, we like, why do you want to know that? Why, what was it? Why do you want to know? Yeah. Yeah. At this point, you're right. Cause they don't know that it's like a, an everlasting yeah. um, simulation serum thing. So they're, they don't know that. So yeah, there wouldn't, you would, you would think they'd be like, so yeah, why are you, why are you so interested in who got yeah. hit with that? Because if it was just like a sleep dart, why does it matter or whatever? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I felt like he was not nearly concerned enough about that. A couple other thoughts that I had on this scene. I think there's potentially some meaning to Jack's cowardice and him just immediately folding to Definitely, erudite aggression. Yes. Like he's not a good leader. Yeah. But I don't think we need that element in this story. It's interesting, but it is underdeveloped yes. and it's not necessary. I agree. It's, I think it's another one of those elements of like, look, this is another bad thing about yeah. one of the it's other just factions. Just another like, example. Look. Yeah. We get it. Yeah. But also, <laughs> there was a line in this scene that made me lose my shit. It absolutely <laughs> sent me uh, after our. Uh, our divergent episode discussion of what the heck candor oh, even yeah. does. Oh, 800 lawyers. Or whatever. <laughs> and, yeah. and during this parlay, Max says to Jack, you're the only disposable faction. Yes. <laughs> I was like, got him. I mean, <laughs> where's the lie? I don't know. <laughs> what do yeah. they do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that the Dauntless going back to the factionless underground city made so much more sense yes. than uh, go, them going back to the Dauntless compound. No reason to, other than we just want to go back. Yeah, we just want to go back there for sentimental Fine. reasons. <laughs> um, I did like the scene in the book where they go around with the paintball guns. I <laughs> thought it yeah. was really dumb. But they nixed the paintball guns in yes. the first movie, yeah. so they use the paintball guns in the book to like hit all the security cameras so yeah. the erudite can't watch them. But they would already know they were there. Is the dumb thing, right? In order I, for them to to paintball the cameras sure they wouldn't be able to like lit watch you i guess but they would know you were there yeah i don't whatever I mean, <laughs> yeah whatever um the movie also cuts uh, this whole thing and it, it's kind of mentioned in the first book but i didn't really think much of it but there was one particular scene in this book where i was like that's weird that implies note, yeah. like all of the factions have different foods yes. that they eat yes and it doesn't there doesn't seem to be any reason for them to have access to different like different access to different foods. No, Amity provides all the food. Yeah. You think there's, but yeah. Like, why wouldn't the Dauntless have scrambled eggs? I don't understand. Yeah, they're talking about it's I believe it's like Candor has ice cream. Yeah. Dauntless has cake. Yeah. Which apparently no one else has cake. Uh, Erudite has soda, <laughs> which apparently other people, I just like, what? Okay. But like, but for why? This is for a, what? Because it is a very weak attempt at world, like at, at creating interesting world building of like, of being like, oh, look, they're different. It's just an attempt to differentiate the factions even more and create unique things that, that feel um, you know, it's, it's, it's comparing it to something like Harry Potter with like the different houses. It's, it's the thing of like, oh, you know, the, the, the Slytherin, uh, common room is in the dungeons and like, it's right. like that kind of thing of like trying to create this 
this unique culture around yeah. each faction, but it does, I agree, not really make like any it sense. doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And it just comes off as so silly. Like I feel almost like she was trying to do like, oh, different cultures have different foods. Yes. But like Different cultures develop different foods because of lots of complex lots of reasons. Complex inter- interlocked reasons. <laughs> yeah. not, and like not when they're all pro- food is all provided by the same people and they all live in the same place and they all like uh, yeah. yeah it's like all... what would be the reason to give cake to Dauntless but not anyone else? I don't understand. There's not a reason anyway. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe I didn't have that in my predictions, but maybe in Allegiant when they get out and they're talking to the rest of the real people. <laughs> They're going to be like, they're going to talk to the architect's great, great, great grandchild <laughs> children or whatever. And the architect's great, great, great grandchildren are going to be like, well, what did you guys think of that cake? And they're like, well, yeah, why did only Dauntless get cake? And they're like, I don't know. My grandpa was just weird. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, but I don't. <laughs> I want desperately for that to happen now. You know, it'd be great. I'm imagining now a Dauntless, a, a prequel the, a prequel to Dauntless, or to sorry, to Divergent, that is just Michael from The Good Place <laughs> designing the Chicago experiment. This is the crossover we need. Yes, it's just him designing, and it's it's like why they have you know Froyo in this or frozen yogurt in in uh, The Good Place. I'm just imagining that now. He's we're like, gonna, oh. we're gonna give this group cake, or like, or it's or none maybe, of the other groups. Maybe it's cake. a thing where we find out that it's, and I should have done this in my prediction, but I'm like, we find out that it's kind of like Harry Potter, where each faction had like an architect or whatever. Mm, yeah, and they were like my favorite food was cake so like that's what dauntless got us you know what i mean like i don't know it's all i can think is that we're gonna find out like the people who organized this whole thing that you know they just the the person who designed dauntless liked cake the person who designed erudite was a big soda fan i don't know it's wild Oh, so I mentioned earlier that I I really liked the change to Triss and Peter's fight in Amity, but I had questions about how that would affect his uh, heel turn yes. later on. Because when when he uh, saves Triss when they're in Erudite, um, he tells her that it was because she saved him at the beginning. At the beginning, during the when they're escaping from Amity, she like knocks him out of the way of a bullet. Yeah, yeah. and he was he's paying her back for yes. that. But I think what the movie did works pretty well. Yes. Um, which is that, yeah, better, like once she gets there and turns herself in, yeah, actually, I agree with you. I also think it works better. Um, she initially like grabs him and slams him against the wall and like threatens to kill him. And Janine's like, oh, go ahead. Sure, whatever. I have we lots have, of yeah, lots of guards here. Yeah. He doesn't matter. Yeah. And in that moment, Peter's like, oh, because he wanted to be important. He wanted to yeah. have, be comfortable. He's very selfish. He's motivated by his selfishness. He just wanted to be secure and whatever. And so and he wanted like a higher up position. And she's like, oh, no, he's just a guard. And I don't care if you kill him. And yeah. he's like, well, f- screw this, <laughs> which I thought was great. <laughs> I thought it worked great. Also, the moment right after that, I thought was fantastic and much improved version of this where she then she's like oh you don't care if i kill him and she turns the gun on herself and she Mm -hmm. threatens to kill herself and she's like i'm pretty sure you need me uh to do you know to get this thing open and for a minute it janine does seem kind of taken aback of like oh shit what do i do and then caleb walks in Mm -hmm. and this is the reveal of caleb as evil evil caleb caleb or whatever 
And I thought that was great because in yeah. the book, it's it's way more dramatic in the movie. Like it's it's because it's a great moment already, and you're like, oh shit, she's got her. What is it like? How could you possibly? How is Janine possibly going to get out of this? And, and then Caleb shows up, and he's able to just walk. And she's so stunned by this that she just lets him take the gun from her, which totally works. Um, in the book, it's just this moment where Tris is like, like tied like during some tests or whatever, mm-hmm. and 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 literally. Janine is like, I bet you've been wondering how I know so much about you. Hmm? I bet you wonder how I knew you have three different sections on your diverge or on your aptitude test and how we knew about this thing. It was Caleb. And I'm like, okay, okay. like literally that's the reveal yeah. in the book. And it's, <laughs> yeah. She, she monologues. I was like, are you kidding me? And the movie's version way, way better, way better. And you know what? I mentioned this earlier, and I was very excited about this. They actually kind of brought back the sim fear simulation landscape <laughs> from book one that we joked about how everybody watches the Dauntless Initiates do their fear test at the end, and it's just them in a big room, like, flailing around <laughs> doing stuff. And in this scene, when when Triss is hooked up to the simulation mm-hmm. machine and she's hanging in midair, earlier we just saw them, they're just kind of, like, hanging there or whatever. Uh, and like writhing around but she's like literally because when we're seeing in the simulation she's like climbing stuff and when we cut back to the room she's in she's literally like yes climbing <laughs> yeah. in midair and stuff and i was like they did it they, they brought it. it amazing i it. love it Cong- uh, it also fantastic. reminded me a little bit of ready player one yes and i actually <laughs> wondered if that's why they did that i don't know the timelines on this if it lined up but i was like this feels really yeah, ready player know. one yeah <laughs> i think this would have been this before. would have been before Ready yeah. Player One because we did Ready... maybe not the book, but the movie. No, the movie, yeah, because sure. we did Ready Player One uh, when it came out. It's a 2018 film, but I'm pretty sure the book is like a was considerably before that. Yeah, uh, it was 2011 was the book, so the book came out a few mm-hmm. years or a year or two before this book. But it doesn't matter. I, I don't think. Yeah, it's just that that particular <laughs> moment. Um, it was it was great. I loved it. I actually it kind of enjoyed the so first up she has to break the to complete the dauntless simulation mm-hmm. or whatever and there's she walks into this house her old house and it's like burning down and her mom's in it and all of a sudden the house just starts flying yeah, away it like breaks off of its foundation and, and flies away and I was like this is gnarly and then as I was sitting there thinking I was like okay this is actually fairly effective like visual metaphor yeah because in this moment she feels like she has nowhere she has no home she's foundationless she mm-hmm. doesn't know who she is she doesn't yeah, know she doesn't have anything tethering her she doesn't have anything tethering her and this how her home literally flying away and she's like she has this big moment where she has to dive and try to catch like a, a, a cable that's like dangling down or whatever and it, and it's a fun action scene too she's like climbing all over this building and she like swings over and inside and and, and blah 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 I thought it was pretty fun, and it actually, like I said, it is actually, you know, it's an okay visual metaphor. It's yeah. not, like, mind-blowing, but I was like, oh, all right, yeah, that works pretty well. And uh, we mentioned it before, but Caleb buying into the erudite BS feels a lot more natural Oh, my in the God, film, it works so much better. To me. Uh, and also, like, his conflict over whether he's doing the right thing or not. And maybe it's, uh, honestly, probably a big part of it is that we can actually, like, see the performance mm-hmm. of this person doing this, as opposed to just listening to Tris, like 
kind of think about yeah yeah we can what see he's doing like and why. expressions and yeah. the little nuances and the, how he's there. struggling with yeah. what's going on and it just feels way better whereas in the book you're just like oh he's he's like evil i guess yeah or maybe he's I, not evil i don't know like what there was a little moment in that scene with him that i loved um where uh, tris is in the simulation and they can see like at least parts of the simulation and yeah. there's like a hologram yeah, they can kind on of one of the on one of, of the it. screens yeah. and there's this moment where their mother's face is on like the is on like taking up the whole screen and yeah. he's just like looking over at it yeah like a kicked puppy yeah yeah absolutely and you can tell it's definitely going to do something and who knows where he'll go in the next book but yeah yeah uh, so I mentioned it earlier, but the scene where Janine is taunting her and mm -hmm. so she does like a handful of different, um, she does all the Sims and then I think she's on Amity, which is yeah, the last she passes one. all of them, but she has not done Amity yet. Yes. And then there's this moment where she's in the Sim and, and this is the one where it, this is where she's getting taken back. Um, this is, so she gets, she does the first four and then they're like, ah, if we push her any further, she'll die and we won't yeah. be able to do. So they take her to rest for a night and they're going to do it the next day. They're taking her there to the next day and she sees that Tobias has been captured and she starts freaking out. And while she's freaking out, um, Peter like hits her with an injection. We think some sort of like calming, you know, like yeah. whatever. And, uh, she gets drugged into the room and they hook her up and then, uh, Janine starts taunting her and then we get the, the shaky shot. And then we realize we're in a simulation because she just bursts through the glass mm -hmm. and like tackles Janine and then hits the ground and the whole world like explodes. Yeah. It's a super cool moment. I, I thought it was super wild. I'm not really sure what it had to do with the Amity sin or Sim. But I can only assume that if she had actually been doing it. Yeah. And he hadn't like dosed her with the paralytic or whatever that she would have had to like forgive janine that or i guess it could have been basically the lead into what we do see when she does it later which is janine kind of like preps her for yeah. squaring off with herself she's like oh you actually she's like you have to face off with the patient first person you hate most so maybe it's that it's just yeah. the beginning part of it or something i was a little confused um but anyway she ends up everything goes crazy it's a really cool visual like moment and then uh she dies seemingly well they don't say she's dead in the movie they say she's spent i believe it's implied she's dead because yeah. they take her to like the morgue or whatever uh, or Peter takes her to the morgue, but um, she seems to die. Caleb seems not that upset about yeah. it, honestly, <laughs> which was like a little, he's like, oh, no, I guess. I mean, he's upset, but not not that upset. And then uh, Peter, like, takes her body to the morgue, and then it's revealed that he, when he ejected her, he injected her with a paralytic yeah. thing, and so that she didn't actually die, which is, again, is similar to what they do in the book, uh, but just she's being executed as opposed to doing the simulation. Um, and then she gets revived and Tobias is there because he also broke Tobias out, I guess, or something like that. Yeah, he gets Tobias out yeah. like as he's taking her yes. to the morgue. And, uh, and the two of them and he's like, all right, we got to get out of here. Peter's like, we got to get out of here. Uh, let's go. And Tris is like, and this is holy shit. Do I like this change oh so God. much? Yes. They're about to leave. And Tris is like, look, we need to get this thing. That yeah. thing that, that Janine wanted box. to open. We got to get it. It's important. My, it was important to my parents for whatever reason. They were protecting it. We got to get it. And Tobias is just like, okay. I was yeah. so much better because the movie realized, and the whole movie has been doing this, but we just need Tobias not to be a weird asshole yeah. like he is he, in the book. He, oh my God, he fought her the entire book. Yeah. Just, Over everything. For yeah, no reason. everything. 
Like Did everything unmo- she like, said or suggested, he was like, no. Yeah. That's stupid. And it just seems like there was no, it didn't come from anywhere really, other than like he cares about her and doesn't want her to get hurt. But it just seems kind of like, uh. And so I love that he's just like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Um, it just cut, and it also just cuts all the convoluted nonsense oh of the God, scheming with the Marcus. End of this book, they're just they're scheming with Marcus, and then she's got she goes behind because there's like eight layers here of like <laughs> the, the 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 factionless and Tobias and the other Dauntless are going to like attack and and take down Ariadite, yeah, and and tear the system down, but the Dauntless think. They're just going to take Ariadite down. Factionless want to tear it all down. Yeah. Meanwhile, Marcus wants to get this thing before this all goes down, because if it, if they don't, then it'll get destroyed or some this information, which, again, I'm not really sure why it matters that much, because he knows what it is. But again, I guess the idea is we have to have a specific copy of this message. Otherwise, people won't believe us or something. Right. Like that. Sure. I guess I can buy that. And so she goes behind Tobias's back. To work, with, to work Marcus. with Marcus and Christina just agrees to this like, OK, sure, yeah. like ride or die, I guess, whatever. And then so <laughs> so the three of them break in to they well, they go to Amity. Yes. And and that's right. They try to get help from Amity and Amity's yeah. like, oh, well, they're like a big battle's coming. And Amity's like, well, we're not going to go fight. Uh, and but Joanna's like, I want to help. And but nobody else does. So I'm leaving like I'm abandoning yeah. my faction. I'm going to go help like be like a peacekeeper or whatever, like medic or something like that. And it's just, there's so much, and I'm just like, what? And I love the movie. It's like, no, no, no. We're just going to do both of these erudite scenes. All at once. Right now. Combine it together. Uh, we don't need to. We already know that uh, the Dauntless and, and Factionless want to attack. We've yep. already set that up. They can attack now because we get a little cut-in scene where they have figured out how to remove the yep. simulation thing. So cool, they're on their way. Um, and we don't have to worry about any of that. And we don't have to worry about this weird... It's just the the whole like betraying Tobias thing was not interesting or no, to me, it I, just, I just didn't find it interesting or enjoyable. So I was like, ah, cut all of that. Uh, I love it so much. The only part of this that drove me crazy is that they get to the room with the box and she goes to get it. And then she stops and it's like, no, we have to open it. And I'm like, yeah. Okay, what does that have? And then, but they stay there. They have to apparently have to stay there. And, and I, we talked about this. I'm like, okay, I guess I get it. It just drove me crazy because I was so confused. I was like, just take it and go open it somewhere else. You just need a simulation machine, right? Yeah. I guess they need this very special simulation yeah, machine. Sure, maybe because the is box a- is like on some kind of a pedestal sh- thing. Sure. So like maybe they don't have sure. the tech to make it actually open sure i because I, I was like look the don't we know the dauntless have the simulation technology they use it yes. literally constantly i guess there's something special about this specific they don't say that she's just like i need to open it and i was like yeah i know but just don't open it here while you're gonna getting hunted by whatever fine all right fine, <laughs> fine, fine. i get why they're doing it it all works out it just drove me crazy at first i was like whatever i guess that specific machine is important and then, as we mentioned, because we combine all this, we cut all of them getting back into Erudite oh HQ. And all of this in the book is just terrible. We mentioned this earlier, but it's just terrible. It's just so nonsensical. Yeah. Uh... Like, so the, the first thing to me that really stuck out is they're... they're it's her, Marcus, and uh, a couple other. It's like Ferdinand is like a new Fernand, this Fernando, Fernando yeah. and and Kara, who's yes. Will's sister, yes. and the, and Christina, and Christina. 
It's this little motley crew. Yes, and they are going to break into Erudite, and they they initially they're going to go through some entrance, but they can't because the door, I guess, is being. And again, this is I'm having a hard time describe this because Veronica Roth is really not good at describing action and where things take mm-hmm. place in the environment and what's happening. I was losing my mind. They they break it. They they're going to break in, and they they're like walking down the street, and then they round a corner, I think, and they see some candor at the end of a street or so I'm seeing Let me see if I can find this real quick. Cause I could not understand what was transpiring half a block from erudite quarters. I come to a sudden stop standing in front of a, in four rows in front of us are a group of people, mostly dressed in black and white space, two feet apart, guns held up and ready. I blink and they become simulation controlled dauntless in the abnegation sector during the simulation attack. Get a grip, get a grip. She's like freaking out. Cause of her PTSD. I blink again and they are candor again, though. Some of them dressed all in black do look like dauntless. If I'm not careful, I'll lose touch with where and when I am. Again, she's maybe that's maybe we're getting an unreliable narrator. Yeah, that seems like an excuse for poor writing. Oh, my God. Christina says my sister, my parents. What if they she looks at me because she's worried that her family is Mm -hmm. one of the candor there. And I know her thoughts because I've experienced them before. Where are my parents? I have to find them. But if her parents are like these candor simulation controlled and armed, there's nothing she can do for them. I wonder if Lynn stands in one of these rows somewhere else. What do we do? Fernando asks. I step toward the candor. Maybe they aren't programmed to shoot. I stare into the glazed eyes of a woman in a white blouse and black slacks. How close is she right now to them? Can you tell me? Seems like a foot away. Half a block a minute yeah. ago, I stare into the, uh, the glazed eyes of a woman in a black and white slacks. She looks like she just came from work. I take another step. Bang. By instinct, I drop to the ground, covering my head with my arms, and scramble backward toward Fernando's shoes. He helps me to my feet. How about let's not do that, he says. I lean forward, not too far, and peer into the alley between the building next to us. Is this a different place, I think? And Erudite headquarters. The candor are in that alley, too, so this is a different place. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a dense layer of candor surrounding the entire complex of Erudite buildings. So... This drove me crazy because I don't know, was she uh, half a block away? Was she two feet when they shot? What did they, did they shoot at her? Did they just miss her? What happened? (laughs) What just transpired? I was losing my mind. I I need you to to write your action better so I can tell what happened. (laughs) I I felt like I was losing. It drove me crazy. Anyways, they they can't get into the building because the candor have it surrounded Mm -hmm. somehow. Um, but they and devise a brilliant plan. They devise a brilliant plan. They go into a building next door. This is from some other movie or something. Um, anyways, they go into a building where they like cross from building to building. I yeah. can't remember what it is, but they go into the building next door and they <laughs> they go up and they find a ladder. Mm-hmm. And then they break the window of a floor they're on and then they use their little glass shattering gadgets and throw it to a window on the connect on the your erudite building next door. They're three stories in the air right now. And they take this ladder and I assume this is at least a 20 foot gap, you know, these buildings can't be that close. This is at least probably like a 10, 15, 20 foot gap between these two buildings. Yeah. It would have to be. It would like have a, to be. It's, Chicago, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not York, England. This isn't like, <laughs> you know, these buildings aren't like six inches apart from each other or whatever. Um, it, so they, they slide this ladder across and then Christina holds one end of the ladder and they put it through the window of, so mm-hmm. they break the window. They put it through the window of the other building. Christina holds the ladder on one side and Tris is going to crawl across first to get into the area yeah. building. She starts crawling across. She gets towards the end and she like slips and starts to fall. She jumps into the building and pulls herself in and the ladder falls. 
And then she says that Christina was able to keep the ladder from falling too far. And I don't know if Veronica Roth understands physics at all or if Christina <laughs> is literally a superhero. Maybe she is. I we don't, don't know. understand because this ladder would have to at least be 15 feet, 20 feet long. Yeah. The weight and the torque when that ladder <laughs> fell. There's no way the ladder doesn't swing. It, it, she could probably hold on to it, sure. There's no way the ladder doesn't swing completely down and slam into the building that Christina yeah. and them are in. It's 100% yeah. what would happen. There's just no, you could not hold it up unless it's a magic ladder that's like weighs nothing. I don't. It's a magic which, future ladder. I guess it could be a magic. I didn't consider that it's a magic future ladder. I don't actually know. <laughs> but it, she says that she wasn't able, she was able to keep it from falling too far. And so the, the area or the candor who are down on the street below yeah. don't shoot or anything. They don't because they, the ladder didn't fall far enough or whatever. Right. So she's fine. She gets into the building. They're able to get the ladder back up. And then Tris turns around and there's a woman in the bathroom. Yeah. She's in a they've, bathroom. They've crawled into a bathroom. And there's an erudite woman comes she out, of a, out of a stall. And I was like, what, was she in there when you blew the window up? <laughs> and there was the gunfire? Because at one point, the candor do shoot at them. Something happens and yeah. they shoot up in the air. Maybe it is it even is when the ladder like falls a little bit. I can't remember. But they do shoot up a little bit. And the, the, the erudite woman is like, oh, and she's like, oh, sorry. I just, she says, she like comes up with an excuse. Tris does. Yeah. And the erudite woman's like, oh, okay. Aren't you supposed to be, what is, <laughs> You're this supposed is the to be smartest smart. faction? What is, the, the, she just crawled in a shattered window in the bathroom. And this woman's like, oh, yeah, that seems normal. But like, what is happening? I was, this whole I scene. Thought, I had that thought. And then I was also like, you better not let that woman leave. No. She's going to go tell somebody. Wild. It, the whole scene was just wild. It made no sense. I couldn't believe this whole thing. And I will agree, like you said earlier, that there's potential in the scene. You can yeah. see what she's going for. Yes. And it could be a very dramatic scene. And Fernando dies, and it's, it's very sad. Uh, like his glasses, he puts his, his fake erudite glasses in his pocket, and they fall yeah. out. And apparently that triggers the when tris almost falls off the ladder and like slams it around Nothing. they don't shoot her but his glasses falling and that's the other thing i don't understand how how is it how how do these candor like thing work his glasses fall and hits the ground and the candor shoot him like they why, why does that work why do they know wouldn't they like aim at the glass i don't understand <laughs> How this works, and apparently they're great shots now, even though they couldn't hit Tris from however distance far away she was, whether it be two feet or half a block. We're not sure, and we'll never know because this book is infuriating. <laughs> Anyways, uh. oh, one other thing that I wanted to mention about all of the convoluted nonsense here that the movie cuts is when they go to Amity, they sneak past the the traitor Dauntless guard at yes. the gate to Amity. Yeah. By telling them, so uh, Christina and Tris disguise themselves as uh, people from Amity. Yes. Which for some reason involves a makeover with lipstick. Yes, the lipstick Even didn't though make the, any sense. the lipstick, the Amity does not seem the type. I was so confused when that was described originally. I thought she was getting into like a sexy spy outfit. <laughs> no, I'm not even kidding. When she's like, when she's like, she puts lipstick on me and like I have a red dress. I was picturing she's like a Bond girl. I was yeah. like, what? Because she has like a knife on her leg or whatever. And I was like, where? What are they doing? I was like, all right, I'm in. Like this could be fun. I don't know what they're. And then they're like, oh, they're going to Amity, and Amity's like red and yellow as their color yeah. or whatever. And I was like, 
oh, so it's like a it's like a like a smock is what she means, <laughs> but okay. But I don't get the lipstick. Amity doesn't seem like a lipstick yeah, type. Yeah, it does of, not seem like the lipstick faction. No, to not me. at all. Maybe uh, the least lipstick faction other yeah. than abnegation, maybe. Yeah. 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 But so they they have Marcus drive them there in a truck, and then when they get there. Marcus is like, oh, these two, uh, I'm from Abnegation, and these two volunteered to bring food or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, that, why does that, why would that work? Abnegation is supposed to be, like, in hiding. Yeah. Why would you tell them that you're, I also, you don't fucking. these guards, they're evil Dauntless, right? Yeah. Or regular, they're, yeah, they gotta be the evil yeah, Dauntless, Yeah, they're the right? evil Dauntless. You're telling me that Janine hasn't been like, hey. This Marcus guy, you know, yeah. the guy who is the literal president of our society, <laughs> the literal president of our society. That's what he was previously. Yeah. He was the yeah, head of he the, was the, head of the government. The, our literal president. They don't recognize him. We're like, oh, that's no. the guy. We're that's one of the guys not. we're looking for. But nobody recognizes anybody in this universe. Everybody Even is face blind. Should. Maybe that's what they did. Maybe when they put, <laughs> maybe we're gonna find out in Allegiant <laughs> that when they started this whole thing, they gave everybody aphasia or whatever. Is that what? It, whatever the thing where people are face blind, they like zapped that into their brain, <laughs> and that's gonna solve every mystery we've had about this series. It's like that was part of the thing when they put them in. They're like, surprise, you're face blind. I, it's, I, I truly don't know how that even makes sense it's wild again because uh, never mind no, oh my god yeah. um so so tris does fight herself in a simulation in both the book and the movie yes i thought that the movie's version of this worked a lot better uh they make it into part of the amity test Yes. And so the challenge is to be kind to herself and to forgive herself. This is brilliant. This and is then, an incredible yes, change. In the, in the book, she, she just fights herself. She fights herself because it is a security measure on Janine's lab. Yeah. Which, again, is For the some weirdest reason. security. She goes to break into Janine's lab so they can get the information. Her and uh, Marcus do in yeah. the book. And Marcus has to go through a separate door, apparently. I don't, whatever. I, I was having a really hard time visualizing what it's was just happening. There's two doors in that, and they're like yeah. in, in two labs next to each other, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why they wouldn't just go through the same, whatever. I guess maybe they weren't sure where it goes or something. But so, and, and the room fills with gas and she, mm -hmm. in the book, and she has five minutes to get to the door. And, and, but it induces a simulation that uh, is herself and she has to fight herself in the yeah. book. But it's so weird and it makes no sense um, because you're like, why would that be the security measure? Why would you not just have a better security? Like, that's such a weird security measure. I, I don't know. It just yeah. seems like a, such a strange, archaic, convoluted security measure. I, but whatever. Sure. Fine. Um, but in the movie, great. Fantastic. You get to do the same thing. She has to fight herself. But. It's not fighting herself. She has to learn to love herself. Mm -hmm. And I love the line in the movie. She says, you're, you're going to fight her, the one you really hate. Janine, simulation mm -hmm. Janine says that to her. It's fantastic. Uh, I was initially couldn't figure out. I was like, well, how is this the Amity test? Because I was thinking about the book's version where what happens in the book version, <laughs> she conquers this again. So dumb. She conquers this simulation in the book by literally manifesting a gun on the table and realizing that she, because she can't beat herself because herself, they're equally matched and yeah. she can't, whatever. But she knows, she realizes that simulation her isn't as uh, desperate as Yeah, she, they have like different motivations. Do they? 
Wouldn't she be an exact copy of her in that moment? Whatever, sure, fine. Let's say they have different... I don't know why. She knows she's more desperate. And so she manifests a gun and shoots herself. Yeah. And she knows herself won't shoot her because she's not as desperate. She knows mirror her has all the same like ptsd and 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 uh, trauma that she does and, and thus can't use and thus gun. can't use the gun but apparently doesn't have the same she has everything leading up to the moment i, I she uh, how does she uh, exact copy of her but doesn't have the same desperation wouldn't she have the same desperation if she's that if she's so similar that she has the same uh, you know, a trauma and exact everything. Why doesn't she have the same desperation in this moment? Again, it's because she's defending the door and I'm trying to, I don't, I don't, whatever. And so she shoots herself. It's terrible. It's stupid. The movie's version, great. She has to learn to love herself. Oh my God, themes. The, uh, uh, again, the only criticism I have of this is that in the movie, she just like stands there and lets uh, Miratrice like run into her and she just kind of explodes. I thought that was kind yeah. of what I thought was going to happen is she was going to run at her and try to punch and then she was going to like hug her or something. Yeah. Like, and I think there might have been cheesy, but I think you could have figured out a way to have her like embrace <laughs> herself that felt good mm -hmm. or something. I don't know, maybe not, but I I don't hate the movie version where she runs at her and she just lets it happen and boom, she let blah. But the the overall idea is so much better in the movie. Yes. Oh, almost done. I'm sorry. I'm getting so worked up. Um, <laughs> I really like in the movie that because Janine doesn't know what the message is in the movie, whereas in the book she does, she already knows what this information is. When she, once Triss finally unlocks the box and the message plays, Janine mm -hmm. is there at this point in the other half yeah. of the room. Yeah, the message room. plays and everyone's just standing there like gobsmacked. Yeah. yeah. And after it finishes, Janine's like, yeah, no, we're going to destroy that. <laughs> we're yeah. going to get rid of that. And we're going to keep, uh, I want my control still. Uh, I thought that was great. Yeah, um, that makes so much sense. Makes so much sense. In the book, she, like I said, she didn't know, or she already knew what the message said. And she just doesn't destroy it. I think because it's like against her faction encoding to destroy information. Like yeah. literally that's the, because there's no other reason she wouldn't destroy this. Yeah. If she wants to maintain control and blah, 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 and keep other people from getting it. Literally only reason that the movie or the book could come up with for why she didn't destroy this is because I think I remember them saying it's information and it's like a mortal sin for, for yeah. erudite to erudite, destroy information. Erudites don't do that. Okay. Sure. Sure. I, I just don't. But, and again, it gets back to the, we'll get to it. It gets back to the whole problem with this whole society and everything. It's like, are, pe are these people strict rule following faction people or are they not? I don't know. Uh, um, like I said, it once again feels like the book is implying. I can't figure out how real these factions are because it once again feels like the book is implying that most of the people in this society actually do fit into these weird, super narrow. Yes. Personality factions. Yeah. And some of them just magically don't. And I don't, I guess we'll see in Allegiant. I don't understand where that's going or what the point is. Huh. And this, uh, the way the movie ends, it actually just ends in a yeah. way that makes sense. It, it, and I actually, it, sorry, go ahead. It, it ends on such a hopeful note yeah. that this actually like would work as an ending to this series. It absolutely would. Like <laughs> most, most of our, our loose ends get tied up. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It could just stop here. It could we, be a duology. We could. I was like, can we just stop here? 
Um, I will say that I didn't hate the book's ending. It also left me interested, really interested to be like, what the heck comes mm-hmm. next in, in like a morbid and curiosity. And much more way, of a, a cliffhanger than book one. Yes, much more of a cliffhanger. And I didn't hate the ending of book of this book. I, I thought it was interesting and like, because it is a big curveball and you're like, well, what is going to happen? But the, the movie still gives you a similar-ish cliffhanger, but it gives you also a little bit more of a satisfying conclusion where it could just be, oh, they go yeah, out, that, they leave. that could just be the end. Because the big thing is that in the movie at the end, we see the gates open and everybody start heading out to leave. Yeah. In the book, we just end on chaos in the room that Triss is in after the announcement plays, like the message plays. Chaos erupts and we mm-hmm. end and we don't know, have no idea. Um, whereas in the movie, yeah, we get this kind of hopeful, like, oh, let's go. Let's see what's going to happen. Um, again, I think both are interesting. I just like the movies because it gives uh, it's, it's just more satisfying. And then finally, I really like in the movie having Evelyn kill Janine. Yeah, um, she was the one here to topple this whole system and everything. I understand Tori's motivation in the book, and I, I didn't mm-hmm. hate the scene where she kills her. Uh, I thought it was worked OK, um, but I knew in the movie it was never going to be Tori. She's just not in it enough. We don't know anything about her brother. I think we do know that her brother died. Yeah, I think she does tell Tris that story like in the a, first one. Yeah, but. We're not, it's not a big thing. Um, so yeah, I knew it wasn't going to be Tori. I actually am glad it wasn't. I think Evelyn makes more sense. She's just a more important yes. character. Yeah. Uh, and I liked having her. her and own. because the movie cuts pretty much everything with the factionless actually wanting to seize control. Which we'll get to um, in, a, in a few minutes. Have giving her like a kind of darker moment at the end there could be good for like going into whatever the heck's going to happen in part three. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about what the movie nailed. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Triss does hack her hair off after they are uh, in Amity. Yes. Uh, She gets it really neat and tidy with her gardening shears. In the movie. In the movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They did, uh, I had a little chuckle in the book because um, she's like struggling to fix her hair and Susan helps her braid it. And then immediately after Susan leaves, she just hacks it off. off. Like, imagine being Susan and seeing her after that. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, the only difference there is that in the book, it's not described as short as it is in the movie. Yeah, which we it's talked described about. as like chin length. It's like chin length. In the in the movie, it's it's very short because of it was for her role in The Fault in Our Stars. Mm-hmm. So she just left it there, which I think it's fine. It works. It's whatever. Uh, I thought Amity's main building with like the tree in the middle and like the big cool yeah. dome thing was neat. Look pretty spot on. Uh, we couldn't really see in the book. The tree is described as being like hydroponic and being like over this big water. Thing. It sounded really mm-hmm. cool, but it was close enough. I thought it was neat. Yeah. Uh, the Trader Dauntless have like little bits of iridite blue. Yeah. In their black. In the book is described as armbands. And yeah. in the movie, it's just like more integrated into their yeah. outfits but it is like a but little arm patch thing same yeah. idea yeah same idea yeah for sure uh tobias reveals himself to the factionless um who he is says mm-hmm. his name to get them to not attack him so because so, then they take him to evelyn the whole truth serum scene other than like changing some of the questions and like trimming it down a little bit it's pretty close but it's pretty yeah. close and and including specifically the moment where like tobias says that he was gonna leave dauntless but he once trish showed up he decided not to and wanted to stay mm-hmm. with her and that sort of thing. Um, Tobias can say, I love you, but Tris cannot. Yes. Until the end. She does, yeah, say, she it does say it at the end. Yeah. Uh, we also have a fade to black sexy times before Tris uh, leaves to turn herself in. Was that in, in the 
Facebook? Yeah, they have oh, okay. they have fade bl- fade to black sexy times. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, Trist turning herself in uh, plays out pretty much the same. She goes in the middle of the night after uh, her and Tobias are together, and I but I do like, and I don't think this was in the book. There's a little detail when she's leaving in the movie that Evelyn like watches her go and just lets her, yeah, and say anything. I thought that was good. Yeah, that was bit. good. Yeah, because um, we know Evelyn has ulterior motives that she's working towards, so she's mm-hmm. not going to ruin that. Uh, we talked about some of the details with this, but Caleb does fully go back to Erudite at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a, a moment in both where when she's uh, in Erudite where there's a simulation um, and we don't know it's a simulation at first. And we think that uh, Tobias is like trying Breaking to break her, her out. out. Yeah. Um, and then she realizes it and she's like, you're not in a sim. You, you are a sim. Yeah. <laughs> great uh, i thought that scene worked really well in both um and particularly in the movie i liked after she says that he like disintegrates and blows away in the wind mm-hmm. i thought that was cool in the movie yeah uh, and tobias does get captured by mm-hmm. erudite yeah again the only difference here is that we find out in the m- book he did it he says initially like oh i couldn't be without you or whatever yeah but then he has like this ulterior motive that he's actually it's like he's got he's get like inside. oh you yeah I, I need to find out some stuff because uh the we're factionless gonna, and the dauntless are gonna attack in yeah, like a week or whatever you or whatever yeah uh i like that in the movie they're just like nah it's because he just really loves her and wanted to just save her or to be die with her either one like yeah. i was like yeah fine whatever sure yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, as we mentioned, Peter uses the paralytic and saves Tris. So yeah. there, there's a bunch of other stuff. There's a lot of similarities, but whatever. Um, okay, that was all of that. We don't normally do Lost in Adaptation, but we do this time. We're going to try to move through this quick because we got a lot to discuss. But we have some stuff to discuss in Lost in Adaptation. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. Wow, was lost. Yes, yes, and I want to get unlost as soon as possible. So uh, I didn't know where to put this. So I want to just put it here as the secret MacGuffin message at the end. I want to talk about this in the book. The message at the end is a message that they gave to abnegation leadership at the start of the experiment. And in that message, they do say, once the divergent become abundant amongst you, you should open the gate and emerge from isolation and come back and help us or whatever. Yeah. In the film, it is clearly a message that nobody has seen and that can only be accessed once, like, a true divergent yeah. or whatever emerges. Um, and I was like, okay. So they need the divergent to ascend, and then they can open this box in the movie and leave the city. Either way, so that's what it is in the movie, and leave the city so that they can go out and help society overcome violence or whatever. And, and whether it's opening the box or if it's this was just the plan and... Regardless of what the message is at the end or how it was delivered, whether it was pre the experiment or post the experiment, the whole idea of the experiment is we need these. We're going to create this experiment where we create these factions, hoping that some special Uh, super personality, flexible people will emerge (laughs) and then leave the city again so they can help the society, the world, U.S., I don't know, overcome, uh, overcome violence and stuff. But, like, the faction system was fake to begin with, so I don't understand where this is going or what the thought process behind this experiment was. How did they fathom, whoever created this, that creating this fake class system would cause divergence to emerge, and why would they expect these people to be particularly good or helpful? I don't understand what the thought process was going into this. (laughs) 
Because, like, wouldn't basically everyone be divergent because the class system is yeah. completely fake and imposed? Or is it not fake and imposed? Like, but if that's the case, why doesn't all of society organize this way? I don't, I don't understand. And again, it comes back to this question of, are the divergent, like, physically different? And they are. We're aware. Because when they scan her brain at the end, she has a special brain. And in the book, yeah. they literally go into detail. Of yes, like, we learn all about her special brain. Her, her amygdala, her and, and her mirror, and her mirror neurons and all this sort of stuff. So she literally has a different brain. Like, what am I? I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this magic brain divergent thing. And how again, what I, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> understand what is happening and okay what the maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe in the outside world they they somehow have gotten to a point where these like faction personality things are real so they seal all of these people in and they say we'll have them switch around factions on their choosing day Oh. To see if through interbreeding we can get a normal person again. Maybe. I'm so excited I, to find out. I guess, dude. I <laughs> look, <laughs> I'm trying my best here. But I this series idea of divergence has been super clunky from the beginning. And I I think that I personally would chalk that up to veronica roth just not having a ton of experience yeah and not thinking her ideas all the way through i, it has to I be, think yeah. she came up with like one singular idea and was like "Ooh, that's fun yeah i'll make a society based on personality quizzes right. yes and then just and then there will be ran people with it. who like emerge yeah. who are different and didn't whatever. like think it all the way out yeah because the implication in the first book very much felt like the 100%. message was uh, going to be that everyone is actually a yes, little bit divergent absolutely. because we're all just normal people who contain multitudes. Absolutely. That's what I 100% thought was going to be the yeah. case. And to me, the addition of like the biology of a divergent and like diving deeper into yeah. it reads like she panicked upon getting a deal for an entire series and realized she'd have to explain her ideas more in depth and yeah, wrote maybe. herself into a corner. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, and I'm hoping that Allegiant will give us a better explanation of the Chicago experiment and why they would be needing to try to breed people who answer D all of the above <laughs> when they take a personality quiz. <laughs> I don't know. For real. I just do not understand what in the world the thought I, I i'm so fat that's the thing i'm most fascinated to see and hope we get some answer to is what the hell was the thought process yeah. behind this and what were the like for why for what, what was the circumstances that led to this like why it's just such a weird thing that i can't fathom the like i just i can't even try to like parse out in my brain the logic behind creating this system thinking yeah. that it would somehow create special pe i don't i don't get it and, and even if I, I can understand the idea of, like, here's what I get. I understand creating these factions, putting people in this fake faction society, knowing that people will not, will not, yeah uh, uh, like, uh, uh, will not stay in those factions because this is not how people are. Like, we, I, I can understand that. But then again, it gets all messed up when seemingly a lot of people do just 
yeah. like to be in the factions they're in. That and it seems up, like most people. Most people. It's like a very small percentage of people that are like, actually, I don't like being shoehorned into this tiny, <laughs> very specific, very like narrow personality like apparently most people are like cool with that it's just weird it's just and some of them are so much narrower than others yes like candor jesus christ yeah her whole personality is based on being honest i'm honest you sound like an asshole yeah like i I, like like amity i like get at least a little bit our our personality traits were happy like okay sure that's like an ideal goal like i get it (laughs) but like yeah the yeah candor is like okay so yeah literally it's just like we're honest to a fault like why are so many people into that personality no it's just so strange and i'm hoping we get some answers all right, our next uh, question here for Lost in Adaptation is, is not a question so much as we want to discuss Veronica Roth's attempt at uh, see, everyone is kind of evil, maybe. I don't know, um, which this is, we didn't know where to put this, so we just want to yeah. discuss it here. And this is like kind of specifically in regard to the factionless. The factionless, yes. Even though we we talked throughout about like different examples of yeah, like, yeah, look, all of the factions have evil in them. Yeah. Da da da. <laughs> or, sorry, maybe I should rephrase that. Veronica Ross attempted, see, homeless people actually are evil if we <laughs> let them get real uppity. I don't know, like. I- <laughs> That's kind of it's kind the message. Of the message. It's like, look, if we let homeless people get too much power, they will just kill us all. Like, I don't. It's okay. But so in the book, and this is kind of a better in the movie because the movie removes this basically. Yeah. Um. But uh, there's this setup and implication in the book that the factionless and Evelyn are like basically gonna purge every. Like, they're, yeah, they're like they want they just want to uh they want to coup and it's and it's not just they want to burn the system down because that you're like oh yeah no i agree with that the system's stupid yeah but it's not just we want to burn the system down that immediately has to go to and we're gonna cleanse the unclean and we're yeah. gonna uh destroy Us. all the knowledge that the erudite collected we we need to burn the society yeah. back down to like square one and like it's it's they become uh, yeah it, it's wild yeah no there was uh like a point um before the like actual reveal um when evelyn's giving a speech to to the troops and she says something about like cleansing this world of of the erudite or something like that yeah and i was like well that's always a positive sign when your military leader uses the word cleansing always that's always just like a sign of great things to come yeah then at the end um they they like basically trick all of the dauntless into handing over their weapons seemingly like one at a time. Yes. Was the, the vibe that I got. Yeah, that is because we see it happen with like Triss. Yeah. With, uh, with Tori, or Tobias, I think, or, or somebody. Or whoever, yeah. Um, and I, I got very strong, like mocking Jay vibes from this. Yes. Like not as well done, not as nuanced. But just this, this like overall message of like, oh, a, a power people who want power are always bad, and any attempt at revolution or change is just going to result in yes. another awful regime. Yes. And like, I already I had problems with that in Hunger it. Games. Like, yeah, I like it in Hunger Games, but I, ha- I already had a little bit of issue with that in Hunger Games to some extent. I thought it was just handled a lot better. Sorry, yeah, it was handled a lot better in Hunger Games. Yeah. And like, I, like, I get it. I get it. I get what you're saying yes i understand it i'm not stupid 
but also like what is what is the messaging here yeah, like what are same. we supposed to what are we supposed to take away from this yeah, that was my main yeah everything is always going to be bad so we should just never try to improve things yeah. cool yeah oh so Great. All, all these people who've been systematically disenfranchised in this yeah. society to the point of comic like not comic comedy but like they're literally completely systematically disenfranchised the fact that they decide they should do something about it it is that that only can apparently result in them becoming the next hitler like yeah, it's, it's literally yeah. it's like okay well then well, fuck it i guess we just let society suck i don't know like what yeah and, yeah. and again it's a similar problem i had in the hunger games which again hunger games is done better and i i, I more nuanced and it's just it's just yeah. better all around. No, but it, it's a similar it's, idea of like, well, what the fuck do we do then? It's giving what do we do? interesting, and yet you participate in society. Yeah, yeah. It's big, big neolib vibes. I'm yeah. like, I don't know what you want. <laughs> what is your answer then? I don't know what, like, <laughs> like what do you want? I don't understand. <laughs> Especially in this, where it's, it is it is like, like in the Hunger Games, where we are in a society that is like, you know, trash, trash and there yeah. is no democratic representation there's no there's yeah. literally no like you know I, I i can see the argument if we live in a society where we actually have um i i am more sympathetic to uh, electioneering and whatnot electoralism than than most leftists i would say um but i you know in, in a society where we do it it's complicated point being in this sort of society I don't know what other choice you have. Yeah. And, and, and so then to be like every time the result is, well, they also just end up bad. It's like, well, fuck. Okay, then fine. I guess we don't do anything. I guess we just kill ourselves. Like, I don't know what we do. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because another thing they do is they specifically, and then one of the big things that was wild is that, and which makes no sense. And I just don't buy from Evelyn is like, I buy at least to some extent the like, let's purge the erudite and mm -hmm. destroy their information. I don't like it, but I at least kind of understand it. But they're like, oh, in Amity, since you guys didn't help us, you're going to keep making food for us, but you get no representation. They, they're they're yeah. literally proposing slaving Amity. Yeah. They're literally like, oh, surprise, by the way, Amity, you guys are slaves now. Oh, okay. okay. That seems completely out of character for the factionless and for Evelyn, at least from what we've seen. It's just, and it's just, it, I don't know where that comes from, again, other than, it is it is just because we we want the the narrative of yeah power corrupts anytime anybody violent uprisings always result in bad stuff and it's like yeah man usually but i don't know what else yeah i'm just repeating myself i just what else do you want them to fucking do what do you want them to do then petition their governor i don't know what you want them to do I just, uh. <laughs> And maybe we'll find out. Maybe yeah, perhaps. Just perhaps to be fair, just will. to try to caveat this and be fair, there's a whole other book. Who knows? Maybe things will go a different direction, and we'll we'll eat crow on this. I don't know. I, it's it just... was it was just very frustrating to read at the eleventh yes, hour. Yes, yeah. And then my final question was. Uh, it is a little one, but it was about the timeline. Yeah, timeline question mark. Timeline, because, and, and now this is kind of a book to movie thing, so maybe it's just a movie problem or something. But when Triss enters the lab, she gets scanned. In the book. In the book. Yeah. When Triss enters Janine's lab, she gets scanned by something, and it says, like, Triss Pryor, Divergent, Second Generation. Yeah. Or maybe it's Second Generation Divergent. Maybe. Maybe. I thought it was of her family. Now I'm thinking, and maybe well, it's divergent. The way the place I got confused was that it reads second generation in that scene, right? But then at the end, 
when we get the hologram message from the the experiment founder or whatever, yeah. she says that her name is Edith Pryor. Yes. Implying, obviously, that she's Triss's ancestor. Yeah, one of her ancestors. But then I'm like, what? but she would have to at least be Triss's grandmother. So why did the simulation say she was second generation? That was my question. Or am I just stupid and I don't understand how generations work? That was my question, is that because she says Edith Pryder, which means it's her ancestor. And at the end of the movie, uh, Janine says it has been 200 years since yeah. this whole thing started. So that's way more than two generations. So if, yes. if Edith Pryor, the person who started this whole, one of the people who started this whole thing, uh, is Triss's ancestor, it would be like 12th generation or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she would have to be way... Because Edith Pryor would have been Triss's great-great-great-great-great-grandmother or something like that. For the 200 years to make sense. Right. If she went in at the beginning, Edith Pryor was there at the beginning of this thing, and now we have Triss Pryor 200 years later, there's 15 generations... I don't know how many. Whatever the math is. There's, <laughs> You know what I mean? There's not two Multiple. generations yes. between there. The only thing I can think, and this is the thought I just had, is when it says second generation, it's not referring to her family, but the divergence. Yeah, that, that, she's that the makes second more generation sense. of divergence because we do know her mom is divergent. Yeah. And maybe she was the first one. If that's the case, okay. All right. Fine. God bless and go for it. Seems weird. Because it seems like the generation thing mood makes more sense to Well, uh, yeah, because I immediately connected yes. that to at the end when she yeah, says her last thing. name was Pryor. I did the same thing. Yeah. So either I don't know what's going on here, or that was a, a little goof where they didn't maybe didn't realize that people were gonna connect those two things. Or it hasn't been two hundred years. Yeah. Because second generation, I think, could work if it was her grandmother. She's the second generation in this, like you wouldn't I guess you wouldn't count Edith. Okay. She would, I mean, she I guess you could say she's first generation, but I would maybe say that she's like in or, or whatever, like an origin. Yeah. And, and then, then her first generation first gen, and then and she's Tris second, is second gen. gen. OK, but that wouldn't be 200 years is my no. point. That would be. 50, but 200 years, years wasn't in the book, right? No, that was that's just what I'm the saying. Movie? That was just okay. in the movie. So unless for somehow that's maybe at least I don't remember 200 years in the book. But it, but it has to have been something like that. Because otherwise, how would people not remember stuff? Yeah. So it has to be, know. like, longer. It has to be 200 years. Again, I think we're just rocking around. I think what it is is the divergence thing. I think that's got to be what it is. It's the only thing that makes any sense. Yeah. I'm just going to say that's what it is because it's the only thing that makes any sense. So, All right, we got a handful of odds and ends before we get to our predictions. Uh, there's a little there's I opened this book the very first page inside the cover is an excerpt it's like a, an ad for Allegiant and yeah. then it's an excerpt that is Christina forgiving uh, not forgiving her but uh, uh, Tris acknowledging the fact that Christina forgave her for killing Will yeah and I was like well that's a hell of a spoiler and I thought it maybe was from Allegiant or something like mm -hmm. that and it's from the end of this book why would you put a random page from the end of this book as the first page of the beginning of this. I don't know, man. Book. I'm, I'm going to say the only other place I've ever seen books do something like that is in classic bodice rippers. Yeah. I mean, it's not a huge spoiler to be fair, but it was a, it is a thing that I was wondering about 
like leading into this book like oh what's gonna happen yeah. with christina like yeah. oh it, maybe christina becomes a villain maybe who yeah. knows and it's like oh no she, she no she forgives her. her and i learned that before i even started this book and i was like are you <laughs> kidding me i never read any of that shit i normally don't but it was just right there and i was like what is th-? i thought maybe it was like part of the book i wasn't sure i didn't know if it was important and i was like what are you doing okay uh, also, as I said in the last spot or episode that Amity is my my faction, uh, Amity's out. Uh, apparently, they just like live in super humid Midwest heat all the time. Yeah. They, Tris talks about like all of their buildings are like super humid and hot because they're like all greenhouses. And I was like, nah, all right, never mind. <laughs> I'm good. I'm going to go to Area Dite where they have air conditioning. <laughs> um. Okay. I'm I'm going to retread some familiar territory from the Divergent episode uh, where we talked about how why Trist does not recognize Tobias. But then in this book, when they're in Amity, right? Yeah. And a bunch of abnegation are also there, like seeking refuge. Yeah. Triss is like, I'm not going to call him Tobias. I'm going to call him four so that none of them know that he's Marcus's son. And I'm like, how would they not know? How would they not know Veronica? That makes even less sense than Tris not knowing. Did he just get total reconstructive surgery? Does he not even look like he did when he lived in abnegation? How would they know? And then Caleb was like, anyone with eyes can see it for themselves and i was like like thank you that felt like caleb that felt like a reference to the fact that people were like what yes absolutely yeah because caleb is like doesn't don't people know you're marcus's son and he's like no why would they And he's like well because you you can look at you and we know who you are like what are you talking about yeah Uh, this is a random thing that i thought was super funny we find out from eric that the water because we commented on this in the first episode that the way they try to execute Triss at the end of the first book is to put it's really weird room yeah it's like a water tank that's like a recreation of the fear simulation from earlier and we find out in this one that eric designed this because it was like a very clever experiment to see how she would react to a real fear sim like a, a, mm-hmm. a real life version of a fear simulation and i was like Okay. Again, I feel this was another one that felt like people were like, why did they kill her with a giant water tank? And Veronica was like, because well, Eric's evil actually. And, and he's very evil. I was like, okay, <laughs> okay I guess. Uh, there's a little mention um, when they're leaving Amity and they're running for the train. Somebody says something about uh, if the erudite were running the train. And I was like, yo, who is running the train? We will never know. <laughs> we may never know. Nah. It just nah, it nah, just nah, circles nah. the city at all times. And we don't know yeah, who's man. running it. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I, that would be a fun, like, that's like a, it's not nearly big enough, but I imagine that's like an SNL. Like, if this were as big as, like, Game of Thrones or something, yeah. that's like an SNL skit. It's like the, 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 the train driver in Divergent. <laughs> And it's like all the dauntless front. It's like a guy sitting in the front. We're like watching from his perspective and it's played by like, uh, uh, what's, uh, what's the guy from uh, Brooklyn nine, nine. I feel like, uh, Sam, uh, Adam or no, uh, Oh my God. What is that? What is a, which one? The main guy. 
Oh, um... What was that actor's name? Jake, no, that's his character's Jake, name. Jake Peralta, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. It's Jake Peralta that gets the point across. It's Jake Peralta, and he's, like, sitting there, and he's driving the train, and it's just, like, him being really annoyed. Like, every time the Dauntless get on, they're all, like, yelling. And he's, like, and he's like trying to do the announcements, and, like, the drums are playing really loud. And it's just, like, this... <laughs> And he's like, as always, we're going to remind you, please do not jump off the train. For God's sake, I would stop if you... <laughs> and they just completely ignore it because they're all, like, screaming and whooping the whole time. <laughs> like, that's a great, like, again, if this was a bigger property, I could imagine that skit happening. <sighs> um, and also in the movie, uh, so when they when they escape Amity, they're wearing like Amity clothes, and then they they hook up with the factionless, and then when we see them on their way to Candor, I was like, oh, thank God they were able to get some cool clothes yes. from the factionless. Yes, they changed into like all leather. All leather. Let's go. Uh, we've talked about the Tristan Tobias sex scene, but I was this is the I just cracked me up because we in the prequel I talked about how apparently they had to edit this down. It just fades to black, and apparently in the original cut it was longer, but it made people really uncomfortable <laughs> or something. And I was like, it's very funny. Uh, but in the book, we we had some lines that were uh, some of our favorite moments from <laughs> from this in the book. We had another uh, another classic uh, YA sexy times line. Uh, his body, my body, we were so close. There was no difference. I don't know where he started and I began. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. It is a classic. Uh, my favorite, because this is not a classic, and I've no. never heard this ever. This is the only place I've ever encountered this ever, one. Just ever. She kisses him, and she's like, he tastes like water. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> like water? What a weird... <laughs> What a weird thing to think of when kissing your your love. I, uh, so he tastes like water. Oh, all right, okay. sure. I mean, it's not bad, I guess. It's kind of nothing, but sure. Oh, God. I have a world-building question. Why have trials in a world where truth serum exists? There's like, no reason. What is, yeah. what is this society doing? They have truth serum. In the movie, Jack is like, we don't normally give that out to outsiders for some reason. I don't. I guess, Why whatever. wouldn't you just use, use it? Yeah, I don't know. And then I was confused later on because I was under the impression that Erudite made all of the serums. But then Janine is like, she wants to find out from Tobias where the, the factionless safe houses are. And she's like... Well, I, I could give him some truth serum, but it's going to take too long to get Jack to hand it over. So we're yeah. going to do something else instead. And I'm like, you guys not make it? Where does it come from? <laughs> I imagine erudite. Or wait. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, yes, I was sorry, assuming yes. that erudite made the truth serum yeah, because they no make all the other serums. Make, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They're the science ones. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, and speaking of Harry Tite, though, one thing I, I really love about these books are the descriptions of the erudite doing science. Yeah. It's like uh, one person was at a computer. Another person had some test tubes. You're not, <laughs> you're not even person. lying. But then my surroundings change. The white tunnel opens to a large room where erudite men and women in long blue jackets 
stand behind tables, some holding tools, some mixing multicolored liquids, some staring at computer screens. If I had to guess, I'd say they're mixing simulation serum. <laughs> My favorite, there was a moment later where she walks into a room and it's like an erudite like work room and there's just like she describes the bench and it sounds like a computer repair shop or something or yeah. like a VCR repair shop. She's like <laughs> the table is covered in old computer parts and there's like a mess of wires and like it's, it's like it's like it's it's literally like Veronica Roth was like the set decorator on on B movies in the 80s. <laughs> And that was the, like her, her her exposure to science stuff is explicitly bad B movies from the 80s where they're like in a mad scientist lab. And it's like and there's like a, a thing on the wall that like there was like a, a glass globe with little electricity. And when you touched it, it would hit your finger. There was, there was some like some tubes that were bubbling. Yeah. And, and there was and there's this like white steam coming out. And then there was this other thing where they there was like a wall. There was like this wall full of like metal pins and they would push their face into it. And it, I'm just like, it's just like a science center. Like yeah. the thing where you like push your face, you know, like where it's like the, I don't know what those are called. Like the little metal pin things where you, they had little yeah, ones you could yeah, get at home yeah, and you put you your put hand, your hand, in, hand it. in it. But then like the science center it, or I think the magic house in St. Louis had one that was like a wall sized one. Yeah. You could, like put your body in or whatever. And it's just like her describing like things from like a science center <laughs> in their, in the science lab. Oh God. Uh, I, another thing I thought was interesting about this book, and I don't know if this was because of criticism, but the Christianity whoop yoinked right out of this book yeah, compared was, to the last one. Far less like prominent. non-existent. There almost. were some there were some little bits here and there. There is, but. there is. Um, but uh, Tris is definitely struggling with a crisis of faith. She um, uh, at one point when she's about to die, she's or she thinks she's about to be executed. She thinks, and if what my parents really believed about death is true, I'll be joining them soon. But clear. Clearly, she doesn't really believe it anymore mm -hmm. or isn't sure. And I think that makes sense for where her character is at yeah. this point with what she's gone through. Because at one point, she like literally has decided that any potential afterlife that may exist would have nothing to do with like her trend. She's become like a deist, if anything, where <laughs> she's like, if, if there is an afterlife, it would have nothing to do with like what I did here. Yeah. Like she's just kind of completely detached from any sort of... Um, anything approaching Christianity. But after she does die, quote unquote, after Peter like stops her, mm -hmm. you know, paralyzes her and she seemingly dies mm -hmm. and they escape, they get back to abnegation and Tobias washes her feet. Yep. And I was like, all right, <laughs> yeah. and I'm getting some mixed messaging here. <laughs> I'm not sure what we're, <laughs> I we're will going. say though, on the subject of the Christian themes in the book, the whole idea that, abnegation was entrusted with this like super secret message information and they're the only ones who know it gave me big like oh we have the one true word yeah kind of vibes yes. yeah we're the only ones who know the one truth yeah absolutely uh, uh, veronica roth hyphenates haha oh does she when people laugh that. and she's the, i think the only author i've ever seen do that and it drove me insane yeah, I'm not I hated it. I, I guess I, I, I can say <laughs> I'm not a fan, but so I didn't, I apparently didn't notice. So and there's this little moment that I thought was very funny. I didn't know where to put it. Where Kara, who was erudite, but she has defected because mm -hmm. she's she's not because Will dying and other things. Um, at one point, she comes when she after she defects, she shows up and she like dramatically takes her fake glasses off and snaps them in half. <laughs> yes. And I was like, Are you okay? <laughs> all right, <laughs> fantastic. 
the context of it was very silly. I don't remember what it was, but it was like a big dramatic moment where she like snaps yeah. her glasses and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, there's a little moment, uh, the scene, the, same phone, the scene in the, the book that I talked about earlier where Marcus is helping Christina and Tris sneak into Amity that made no sense. Um, but in this scene, Christina, like off the cuff, invents this whole backstory for them. Yeah. And she refers to Marcus as Joshua. Yeah. Uh, and then... When then once they get in, her and Tris are talking about it, and Tris says something about like, "Well, Joshua's not an abnegation I think Marcus name." Says that. Marcus, Marcus says that. Marcus says like, says "Hey, that? why did you talk so much?" Like, and 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 basically, Christina was like covering. She's like, "Oh, they get uh uh, because it's like an erudite guard or somebody." It's a dauntless guard. It's a dauntless yeah. guard. She's like, "Oh, oh." So that's what it is. She's she's like Amity like overshares. They talk too much and it makes people uncomfortable or something like yeah. that. So that's why she started talking a bunch. And he's like, well, Joshua isn't an abnegation name, though. You yeah. shouldn't have used that name. Or something. And I was like, why wouldn't it be? Yeah, it's like I traditional and Bible. I don't. Why? I, the I don't. Thought. There's no reason to me that Joshua would not be an abnegation. name. The only thing I could think is that this is either not setting up something necessarily but is a clue as to what maybe is going to happen and that abnegation is not i don't know i that was such a weird specific detail to include because i had the same thought i'm like well abnegation is like clearly the christian culty yeah like group yeah they're christian coded yeah so and it's a vi- that Joshua was one of the more yeah, <laughs> Christian names. It, it, it is names. like one of the more Bible names. The fact yes. that he makes that point, the only thing I think either it's an inside joke for all Veronica Roth's Christian friends because they're like, ah, <laughs> or it means something more. And it's going to be like, oh, surprise. Actually, you thought the abnegation were the Christians. They're not. It's actually, I don't know. I, I just, mm-hmm. I, 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 it felt too weird to not mean something to me because I actually had the same thought. I was like, that's weird. Actually, I feel like it might be more likely that it's an end joke. Yeah. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, touched on it, but when Lynn, Lynn gets shot at the end of the book and mm. she is dying and she can't get saved because the factionless destroyed all of the, yeah, they destroyed the hospital, all wing. of the medical stuff again, which, oh God. yeah. And so she's bleeding to death and she can't get saved. And she says something about how she loved Marlene and Uriah says, um, we all loved her. And Lynn says, that's not what I mean. And then dies. And I was like, is that implying what I think it was? I Yeah, I had the same thought. And I think it I is. I was like, oh, wow. Veronica, you just buried your gay. Uh, the, 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 the most, like, the quickest burying of a gay. <laughs> yes. That is like, surprise, she's gay, dead. <laughs> like, that is, I was amazed. I was like, that was the most efficient bury your gay trope I have ever, I have ever seen. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I was not expecting this series to go the way no, that it has. It's wild. I wasn't either. I thought it was going to be boring. It yeah, is, not, it is anything but. Is just weird. Um, my last note because it cracked me up as I was flipping through the bonus materials at the end. Uh, there's a faction playlist. I love this so much. And it cracked me up. I started flipping through. It's like three songs for each faction, and some of them are whatever. I don't know what some of them are. A couple highlights. Um, Amity has a, a, a one of their songs is No Envy, No Fear by Joshua Radin. Candor, I love this one. I don't even know what this <laughs> is, but this one, Candor, one of their songs, Two Points for Honesty by Guster. Love that. 
And then Factionless, all three of theirs are fantastic. It's Uprising by Muse, I Want to Break Free by Queen, and Escape by 30 Seconds to Mars, which I know all of those songs, actually. Uh, they're all good songs, but I just... It's so... It's so it gives so... If a 15-year-old was making a playlist of their faction like this yeah. is this is what i would imagine a fan would make and maybe it was yeah. I, I didn't well, actually pay part of the reason that i love this is that it feels very stephanie meyer yes. coded yes. to me yes um because a, a big thing back in the day um was that she had like extensive playlists on her website for like the books and the characters and yeah. like this is what I listened to while I was writing and da and it was all very on the nose. Very on the nose, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's oh, so much. I I just I can't get over when when it's like literally I want to break free. The thing literally an explain or you know literally a direct statement of the thing that is motivating this group is the name of the song. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fair okay. enough. Sure. All right, that was it for Odds and Ends. Let's go ahead and see if how we did predicting the Divergent trilogy. It's going to happen, Edward. I'm seeing it. All right, we're going to slam through this because we got to wrap this up. My first prediction for Insurgent was Tris and Tobias get married in Insurgent in an intimate ceremony at Amity Farms, primarily so they can fuck without facing God's wrath. That did not happen. They mm -hmm. do have sex, I think, maybe. I'm still not convinced. It faded in the book. to black. I don't I'm know. I'm not convinced in the book. In the movie, they definitely did. In the book, I'm not sure. Um, but they do not get married first, so I was incorrect. My first prediction was that Erudite is able to get to Candor first. They give them their version of the story uh, while the surviving Abnegation reach Amity first. The remaining Dauntless are then split between the two sides and an all-out civil war breaks out. Uh, this did not really happen. It, it kind, kind of, of happened. I'd say you're pretty close there. Pretty close. This is the, the best the, prediction. The Dauntless are split and there is kind of a civil war. Yeah. I would say but you I got wasn't, pretty I wasn't, close. I got pretty close. I wasn't exactly right, but I got pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, my second one was Janine crafts a plan to pull all, put all of the factionless in an endless simulation and use them as free laborers. In the movie, she gets a sick robo hand to replace her stabbed one. That is not even addressed in the movie. No. Uh, Tobias ultimately hacks it and has her strangle herself with it. No, that, none of that happens. I wish not that would have happened. It would have been great. My next tradition, uh, Christina initially joins Triss, but then finds out that she killed Will and an emotional rage defects to the Ariadite side. That did not happen. That was my third prediction as well. Christina becomes a villain briefly in book two after Triss confesses she killed Will for ultimately rejoining the good guys and sacrificing herself to support the cause. I mean, the first part of that, not a villain. She just doesn't like Triss for a while. Yeah, but, you know, whatever. So, no, not not correct. Uh, my next prediction was uh, the Erudites kidnap Caleb and then allow Triss to rescue him after he's been hijacked with simulation serum a la PETA and Mockingjay. This does not happen. Caleb is just a traitor. Yes. On uh, my last one, you did an extra one, I did an extra one, yes. Was the Erudite have some kind of science babble way to reanimate corpses and turn them into zombie soldiers and they send Triss's parents after her? That did not happen either. That did not happen. I thought all of our predictions were far more interesting than what happened I in liked, this I book. liked a lot of our predictions, yes. All right, it is time for our Allegiant predictions. <laughs> my first prediction the people of the Chicago experiment, which is what I'm calling it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's going to be dubbed. I'm sure it has some I name, but I called it the Chicago experiment in my predictions. Emerge into the outside world, and it's a version of 2212 United States. So 200 years in the future from mm -hmm. 2012 when this book was written. 
Things have deteriorated badly as the world has clearly experienced some sort of catastrophic climate slash war event, but society does still exist. Barack Obama's great, 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 great grandson is president, but he's like the antichrist <laughs> and the divergent have to like fix things. I'm really thinking we're going to get some sort of left behind style book. I just based on the Christianity themes and stuff. I'm really thinking we're going to get something like left behind and the divergent are giving me big, like saved mm. people mm -hmm. vibes. Ultimately, Trist deposes Obama junior, 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 because he was president in 2012. So that's why I picked Obama uh, and becomes Supreme ruler of the U S I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just, I, I just <laughs> wanted to go for something crazy. Cause this was the hardest predict. I have yeah. the way or this book. And I have, movie my, ends, like, my predictions are all boring. I was like, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, my first prediction is that Tris will leave the city looking for answers. Like she goes out as like an envoy or whatever. Uh, and then just immediately gets captured by whoever is left still running this experiment. Um, I th I think that the entire focus of the story will potentially shift from inside the city I think, to outside. I think it of has it. to, at least based on the way the movie ends. Yeah, I think it has to. I don't know how it couldn't, unless the movie is like bullshitting. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. with everybody leaving, I just don't see how it, how it couldn't. That is not the implication it gets in the book. But yeah, I would think we have to f swing outside of the city. My second prediction: the simulation serum and technology gets repurposed into commercial entertainment product <laughs> or that's how it has always been used outside of the Chicago. Oh, no. <laughs> it is essentially the, yeah. the, uh, from like ready player one. Yeah. Like, yeah that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Like a VR. Yeah. Extreme VR. Yes. Um, wait, what if ready player one prequel? What if that is what is going on? And the experiment was put on by a rival tech company who wanted to breed people who can't use the simulations oh my God. of their competitors. Yes. And this is all a weird, crazy critique of yes. capitalism. <laughs> Let's go. Come on, Veronica. You can do it. Okay, my actual second prediction that I wrote down um, is that if the focus does not completely shift and we mostly stay in Chicago, uh, I predict that Triss and Tobias will somehow end up on opposite sides of the conflict mm. with Tobias joining his mother and the fraction and the factionless and then Triss supporting like the rebellion against them. I could see that. I thought about something like yeah. that very similar. And cause I, my, I actually had a prediction that that would, that was similar to that, that I deleted where, and what part of what spurs that would be that Evelyn has Caleb executed and mm, that mm -hmm. super yeah. fucks with. But the, the only issue I have with that is that I don't know if I would buy. Tobias doesn't really like Evelyn enough. Yeah, to it would be out him. of character for Tobias, but uh, not completely because he does agree with the faction list to some extent. At least yeah. with the idea that burning the factions down but is a good idea. But also, I think Veronica Roth does not do a good job of keeping his character consistent anyway. I would agree with that. So. I would agree. I would agree with that. My final prediction, my big swing since the beginning of all of this that I had not voiced until now because it's too dumb. I'm so excited. Is that all of this is a simulation. What? All of it. I was almost correct with the whole Chicago experiment thing, like with finding out that that was all an experiment. But yeah. I'm saying literally everything we have read up until this point is happening within a simulation. So we're getting like mm. simulation inception. I don't know how we get there, but my thought is that when we get to the end of Allegiant, 
someone turns off a computer or something and it turns out this whole thing was a simulation being run on a current on a computer in our current time in like 2012 (laughs) and someone at the end of the Legion is like that all looked really fucked up glad we know how to avoid that now or something like it's it all ends up being this thing that was it, it was it's the it's all a dream ending yeah. kind of yeah but i'm thinking or maybe not that specifically but i'm thinking my my swing from the beginning is that all of this was going to we're going to get a rug pull at some point that all of this is a simulation and that everything we've been reading was not real. was not real was it mm. was in fact a simulation and that we get pulled out of that one layer further almost like a matrix kind of mm-hmm. thing interesting it's my big swing i don't know yeah it seems unlikely but who knows well my final prediction is that joanna figures out a way to get the amity happy drugs into the water supply in an effort to neutralize any conflict and that's how it ends that was yes everybody's just like blissed out like vibing yes (laughs) there you go i'm into it Before we get to our final verdict, we want to remind us you can head over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, any of those social media platforms. Follow us there. Make sure you interact. We'd love to see what you thought about Insurgent. You can also head over to Apple Podcasts or where Spotify, wherever you listen to us. Drop us a, a, a nice five-star rating and write us a little review. We appreciate that. And if you want to support us, as we mentioned at the beginning, patreon.com slash this film is lit. We really appreciate it. Katie, it's time for the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. As we were watching this movie, I was immediately transported back to last year's summer series. The Fifty Shades movies are not good. Divergent and Insurgent have similarly been not good. But like Fifty Shades, they are a fascinating case study in taking deeply mediocre books and turning them into slightly less mediocre films. Insurgent the book is a clunky mess. Character motivations are unclear, I think at times intentionally, but more often as a result of what feels like a writer discovering the plot as she wrote. Mystery in a novel can be fun and exciting, but I constantly found myself struggling to care where the plot was going because I legitimately had no idea what anyone's goal was. We get bogged down with so many intersecting character motivations that we get lost in the sauce because it becomes unclear what this is all moving towards. The only character slash group I found myself even remotely caring about or rooting for for were the factionless. And then that all just gets blown up with a surprise. They're basically the Khmer Rouge and want to destroy all knowledge and cleanse their enemies. Great. Amazing. The world building and rules in this universe are once again poorly developed. And the result is a novel that is legitimately frustrating to read. So often I found myself going, what's going on now? Wait, didn't we already know this? Wait. Why are these characters arguing? It was infuriating. Tack on a character list that is both way too long and somehow devoid of anyone with any personality outside of our few main characters, and you have a recipe for a book that feels more like homework than entertainment. The movie doesn't make a lot more sense, but good lord does it benefit from the editing the screenwriters did. Our cast of characters is pruned down to something more manageable. Our protagonist and antagonist have fairly clearly defined goals, and some of the more baffling inconsistencies and contradictions from the novel are cleaned up. And we even get something close to a satisfying conclusion to this entire series. No, seriously, this movie's ending could be how this whole series concluded, and I think I'd be happy. 
I don't think this movie is particularly good, and I have no idea if it would make much sense to someone who hasn't read the book. But as someone who had to suffer through this mess of a middle installment, I have to give it to the film strictly based on the number of times I said, oh, thank God they got rid of that while we were watching the film. I've read a lot of books in my lifetime. Some amazing, some pretty bad, and most somewhere in the middle. I regret to say that Insurgent was pretty bad. The plot was clunky and meandering. There were far too many secondary and tertiary characters to keep track of. The world building, again, left much to be desired. The author did a not insignificant amount of telling and not showing. And as we discussed in the prequel, there were consistency errors that made the bloated, overpopulated story even harder to follow. The movie manages to fix or at least mitigate a lot of these issues by cutting some plot elements and pulling others closer together, nixing several characters, and devising an overhauled explanation for divergence and how it plays into Janine's plan and the super-secret MacGuffin message. The two are on a more even ground when it comes to themes. Some of the themes that seemed obvious in the series' first installment feel watered down or even completely abandoned and insurgent, and I'm left not knowing what this story wants me to take away from it. Not everything that the movie does works perfectly, but it was far more digestible than the book. I have to give it to the movie once again, and cross my fingers that the third and final installment in this series doesn't leave me with more questions than answers. Got a bad feeling about that one. I also have a bad <laughs> feeling, but let a girl hope for a minute. Katie, what's next? Up next, we have uh, an in-betweensy episode, so yes. we are not jumping directly to Allegiant, and we will be talking about the Lorax. Yeah, that'll be a fun yeah. little diversion. Little uh, Dr. Seuss. Yeah, Dr. Seuss. I believe that's a 2012 yeah, I haven't seen adaptation. This movie. Yeah. I think I've seen parts of it. I don't know if I've seen the whole thing. All right. Well, that'll be in two weeks' time. In one week's time, we have all of your feedback, everything you had to say about Insurgent, uh, and we'll be previewing the Lorax and probably learning a little something. We'll see. Maybe we won't have time, depending on how much feedback you all give us. But until that time, guys, gals, on Binary Pals, everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And keep being awesome. Awesome.